0: Hello, and welcome to episode four hundred and eighty-seven of Fergo on the Frick. I am that book from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew RLP. And Jimmy, as always is the glorious League Frick. You can also find me on Twitter at League Frick. How you going, there, mate?
1: I am going very well, Andrew. How are you?
0: Uh, yeah, look, I am. Uh, I am. I am doing all right. I am coping with the uh, the dramas at the club. What club the would club. that be? What club? The club. The club. Ah, ah. It's fitting. It's fitting. Because um, what we were chatting about prior to this episode starting mm-hmm. was, um, you know, nuclear wastelands and how mm-hmm. nothing exists after a, a bomb gets dropped there. Yeah. If a, dro- a bomb got dropped in Sydney, for example, mm-hmm. one thing would exist, and that is the West Tigers continually still being shit. They're, and they're bored. Yeah. They would outlive the cockroaches, that's yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. The, co- the cockroaches would be like, these fucking low cunts. <laughs> Yeah.
0: We don't want to do. We don't want anything to do with you mob. Yeah. We're going to go and kill ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And that's what the cockroaches are going to do. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're not fucking around here. We're getting right into it. Um. But there's been some drama at the West Tigers. Just of a little bit. Yeah. Of course there is. Why not? Um. I don't where, know, do where do so we start? There's so much
1: of it. Like, where do you start?
0: Let's go with. I don't know. I'm I'm thinking that there's a bit of a. Um, thing going on at the moment where it feels like Tim Sheen's just trying to paint himself into the corner as being a good guy um, which I'll never buy nah it's but, uh-uh. sure. so he's he's pissed off that the um, Potato and Chairman Lee have gone and signed some fucking idiot from Manly who doesn't know what he's doing he was so bad at it that Manly got rid of him mm-hmm. Um, Scott Fulton yeah. To be their recruitment guy, um, and Sheen's a bit pissed off because no one spoke to him about it. Nor did they speak to Benji Marshall, which is, is kind of
1: which is kind of hilarious because
0: it's hilarious. And like I agree, they should know because you know mm. they've got to work hand in hand. That makes complete mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's also completely on brand for the West Tigers that there's absolutely no connection between any departments whatsoever when it comes to what happens on the field. Yeah. 100%. Even even on the field, there's no connection between you know what the outside backs do with the middle forwards. there's nothing there there's no connection anywhere yeah. there's no connection between what David Knofollimer's legs do and what his brain does and what his ears have been told to do. There's no connection there either mm-hmm. it's just there's none there's none so um yeah it's probably it's probably very wrong that uh, Sheens was notified about that, but it's completely on brand, yeah. so you know have another cry team. Um, there's another thing I saw, which was um one of the higher ups in the West August board a few months ago uh resigned, yes, and it's emerged recently that Robbie is interested in taking on the gig
1: at this point, why not?
0: I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Yes, yeah, like could he be any worse? You know what the good thing about it is mm-hmm. Robbie farrer hates the mainstream media so much that it would stop the links to the media. So that's
1: something. Yeah, there's yeah. Because I just think it's weird that like like a couple of months ago he wanted to be an assistant coach and now he doesn't. He wants to like Oh no,
0: he, he still wants to do that.
1: Oh he, he still just, wants to do that. Yeah, right.
0: yeah. He just wants to have all his <laughs> eggs in all the baskets. <laughs> he just wants to do everything. That's right. <laughs> Put a bit over here, a bit over there, a bit over there. Why not? Fuck it. Yeah, you know, he couldn't do any worse than all the people currently doing it. Yeah, true, true. He's, he'd he'd do it comfortably,
1: I think. He turn um, up. At the gates He's a security guard as well. He says, <laughs> he says, oh, I knew you turn up. Hang on, I got to let you in, and then I got to go and clean the toilets because I'm the cleaner.
0: He's he's got this big wad of keys that just hangs yeah. around his pocket. There's, he just has to pick them up and he's going through them. Kind of reminds me of um. Johnny Depp's character, um, Willy Wonka. And they've got one kid going down a hole. She's been sucked down into some hole that all the, the squirrels are throwing all the bad nuts in. And they've got this little gate has got to open up, and he pulls out these keys, just casually going through them all while the kid's father is sitting there watching in fear. He's going, not that one. Not that one. Yeah, that'd be Robbie Farrah.
1: See, I've never seen the new Willy Wonka with Johnny Depp. Um, yeah,
0: I didn't like it. Yeah. But I saw it when I was, uh... Up in Sydney recently.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, you were up in Sydney. Yeah, I was. Oh, shit. Did you do anything? Um, ate some food. Nice. Um, have a nice chicken schnitzel. It was. It was pretty fucking good. Pretty good. Anything good on the TV <laughs> <laughs> while we're
0: there? While we're there. Um, there was a bloke on there who was cosplaying as a mortician. <laughs> mortician. Or, which is apt. Given he he's been cos- presiding he's been presiding over a funeral for the last eight
1: years. He was cosplaying to somebody that looked like he should have been walking down the road in about nineteen fifty five buying fruit in Sicily.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I need a to my tomatoes for my nana.
2: Oh shit.
1: I love people that have funny hats. By the way, he was doing that, we worked it out. It was like what was it, seven thirty or something that night? Yeah, yeah he, he's, he's wearing a, a hat indoors. Hat. Yeah, in front of the only merch that's
0: available there. We when we we figured it out, it had to be um, Harry Triguboff's bloody, um, you know, one of his offices somewhere because that's yeah. the only bloke that have that much merch. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the um the fascinating thing apparently that came out of that interview because obviously we didn't listen to it, mm-hmm. we were um just quite uh, amazed at the garb he was getting getting around in. Yeah. Um not so much he was on TV or in front of a microphone. That's kind of what he got. I think he probably brought his own microphone. He's on, on air that often. But apparently one of the things he said was, um, this has been the hardest time of his um tenure at the West Tigers. Has it though? And like, I well is the force. Well the first thing I thought was You fucking made this happen, you fucking wank.
1: <laughs> this is you. You did this oh shit it's like smashing a car right oh. <laughs> and, and then you drive like it's got three wheels on it and you try and like scrape what's left of it over to the side of the road and you're like this fucking thing's not driving very well hey something's wrong with it <laughs> like you smashed it you idiot uh, at the moment
0: mate uh, Potato and Chairman Lee trying try to get them to be uh, useful Mm-hmm. and intelligent and mm-hmm. successful. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like picking up a turd from the clean end. <laughs> it, oh shit. It just can't be done. Yeah. And that that's what they've got at the moment. That's where they're at. Um so yeah apparently there was there was then talk that because of the whole Fulton drama mm-hmm. that Potato was gonna have a a, a meeting Meeting of the minds, get everyone together, get rid of all the tension in the air, have have Benji and, and Fulton, get them to come together. And the best way to do this was to have separate meetings with them. Is that what they did? That's what they did.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure that sorted everything out.
0: Again, no no connection.
1: Hmm.
0: We can't have anybody know that anybody else exists
1: here. Imagine like <laughs> like they're training at Concord, right? And the and the club officers are at Concord, so you would think that when everyone goes to work, they're going to Concord. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, he's in the he's in this room next to me, recruiting whoever. I don't know who he's recruiting. All I know mm-hmm. is this shit. And then out there somewhere, <laughs> well, he's on the phone to someone in England in second division over there, saying, "Have yeah. you got any halfbacks off contract?" <laughs> he's, out, he's on a very important call to Batley, seeing who they've got to release. <laughs> and out there on the field is is benji you know he's the future head coach and he's out there with tim sheens who's the current head of football or whatever he calls himself i don't know what he calls himself
0: i think the whatever is very close to the truth he's the head of whatever
1: yeah (laughs) i I need to organize a meeting with these guys that are within five minutes of me and i can't fucking do that no, it's not too cap- hard, so let's just do one at a time. Yeah, I'm not capable of bringing these two people in the room together. If there was a communication device that you could get, we mm. could send out
0: messages to people at the yeah. same time yeah. and coordinate a chance to have a meeting. But we're you know, we not in that time. So um, what apparently happened is the pigeon that was sent mm-hmm. to Fulton got there first, Yeah, but that pigeon forgot to take the same message across to Benji. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to send out a second pigeon uh, and that takes time because they only had one pigeon. Yes. So, you know, they had to go, they had to go find another pigeon cause the first one was tired. Um, I think it was Phil Gould's pigeon. Anyway, um, that's <laughs> <laughs> strained down another path. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was, that was some of the drama going on there. Um, man, this club is fucked.
1: It's so fucked. It's so
0: completely fucked. It's, So insanely clear that Chairman Lee and Potato have been there far too long Mm -hmm. and have been completely, 100% utterly useless. They've taken the club from being mediocre to the worst in the league. And look, don't take it from me, the stats prove it themselves. I checked last night. Mm-hmm. The last 50 NRL games for every club, the West Tigers have the worst win record, the worst attack, and the worst defense. It's cr- it's, it's terrible. That's uh, the last 50 games. The Do you know how many games I have to go back to find out when the West Tigers were not the worst in the competition for win percentage? How many? 80 games. <laughs> and, and who that did that they gave, take over that, from? The Bulldogs? That put, yeah, that put them second last one win ahead of the Bulldogs.
1: Wow. And it was still an absolutely atrocious record. That's terrible. And keep in mind, this has happened after the supposed revolution that Tim Sheen said he was going to do when he came to the club and he decided that he was going to fix things and fix the p- pathways and fix recruitment and then he was going to put the best guy to coach the club in charge, which was him. And then when he decides that it's time to leave, He was going to pick the next coach as well, which was Benji Marshall. And, uh, like, it's been a fucking abject failure. Or, like, every single part of that has been an abject failure. And who called it from day one? (laughs) (laughs) We did. From fucking day one. Like,
0: (laughs) this was never going to work. It's never going to work. There's no... the club was not even on the trajectory to go in this direction this fast and this mm. bad with Maguire there. And I know I've said it before, Maguire was bloody absolutely hamstrung by all those contracts that were bloody dished out to heaps of people that didn't deserve them over long periods of time. Yeah. His last season there was his first season where he didn't have those around his neck. So he's trying to build trying to figure out what squad he had to build with and cut off any other deadwood. And then, boom, this year would have been his first year where he had, right, I've got a ton of money. I'm going to start buying all the players I need. And, nope, get rid of him. And what's this mob done? They brought John Bateman back.
1: Who's fucking terrible. Can we please stop pretending John Bateman's good? Like, he, he you're a second-rower. First of all, you're an undersized second-rower. You're kicking the ball close to the line on the third tackle for yourself. That is, that's not reserve grade shit. That's like park football shit. And your mates still look at you and go, "What the fuck are you doing, you idiot?" And you know why gets, are you still so pasty? You've been here for six months. You know Get what gets me? Get outside for a bit, you fucking Casper looking <laughs> motherfucker.
0: I fully agree. The thing that gets me is we had Luke Garner on less money, and he's younger and better.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Let him go to Penrith. We had Kelma Lungi, much younger, still better. We let him go to Manly. Uh,
1: why? And then, like, who was it that we were? Because me and Andrew met. What, what day was it last week? Monday. Yes. Yeah, Monday. And so we're watching NRL 360, and as you say, that the sound's not on, and it's so we're like, and I, I was facing the screen. And you were kind of facing away from it. And so every so often I'd look up and this this idiot with his hat is in the background. And you'd see the little ticker below him. And it was like Tiger's Target, Brody Croft. And who was the other dude? Because you and me were laughing about it.
0: Aiden Caesar.
1: Aiden Caesar. (laughs) And they're showing footage. They're showing footage of Aiden Caesar playing for the Titans, which was like five fucking years ago. Since then, he went to the Raiders. He's been playing for the fucking Huddersfield Giants. Hang on. Before you go any further, the highlights I showed of him playing for Canberra
0: were all from the one game. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't over a series. It wasn't like, you know, 15 different games and a few highlights. One game. That's all it was. And
1: nothing from England. Nothing. Not a (laughs) damn thing. And like then we were like, how old is he? And I think we worked out he's 33 or something like that. Yeah. He's not a young fella. Yeah. And then... And then the next thing that flicks up is like <laughs> the the Tigers haven't actually released Luke Brooks to go to Manly, so they're going to talk to him about it, and we're fucking laughing. We're laughing our asses off because it's like he's all he's gone, he's already gone. He's yeah. he's not going to talk to you. He's going. He's gone.
0: Like it's kind of like they've, they've looked out there, they check out the market. There's a bunch of halfbacks that they do want, but none of them want to go to the club because you know it's shit. Yeah. And so, they found the only ones available are a couple of blokes you know, playing a bit of park footy for a bit of a bit of a laugh over in England. Yeah, that's about it at the moment. They've gone. Maybe we should hang on to Brooks. You know, nope, you fucked that
1: one too. He's gone. Like has gone. And, but but that's their big that's their big brain plan. Like, how about we keep? How about if we don't get Caesar or Brodie Croft? How about we fucking keep this guy who's been fucking bog average for 10 years for us and it's taken us nowhere that's the big fucking plan the thing that's really annoying is there's a bloke
0: quite a a handy halfback you might have heard of him he's trying to find a new club at the moment called Ben Hunt that the Tigers have not even bothered to fucking contact they haven't even sent a pigeon
1: his way (laughs) it's it's crazy it's crazy (laughs) Just fuck man and all of this was happening, like, <laughs> it was like I felt, I felt bad in a way because I'm sitting there, we're all having a, real, we're having a nice meal and stuff, and we're all chatting away and stuff, and I'm looking up and I'm like, Brodie Croft, Aiden Caesar, they want to keep Brooks as well. And I felt that's just like there was no good news to say. <laughs> no, it's like,
0: how can we out Manly Manly? I oh, know, let's get the Manly recruitment guy who they don't want anymore. <laughs> and get him to come in and make all the decisions. Was, oh, Fuck me, you. he's atrocious.
1: Oh, it was so funny. It was so bad, and it's all happening at the same time. And then, as yeah, as you say, like it comes out, Robbie Farah wants to move into management. You know, and it's like I, I don't mind at this point. Like we said, not, can't do any worse. Um, and yeah, like I think I, I said to you. It feels like we need an expansion club in the MacArthur region because the West Tigers aren't doing that. No, well, they're not doing anything, actually. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, there's there's even talk now that there's um a bunch of West Tigers members have created a petition to go around to have the board uh, either sacked or have their positions reviewed. They'll they'll probably agree to get them reviewed, and what'll happen is um, Pasco will review Chairman Lee, and Chairman Lee will review Pasco, and they'll go, well, you know, you're pretty good. I didn't come across anybody else in my reviews who could do a better job than you, so I can't see any reason why we get rid of you. (laughs) And they go, oh mate, you know, I kind of feel the same. You know, you've been you've been pretty good. You're good on the media. We we need some good PR people, and you're good there. The media loves you, so uh, we might just keep you on.
1: Done. Review finished. Sorted, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it It's crazy. And the, the sad thing about it is that when results can't change the club and like failure and embar- like embarrassment, and it's not just embarrassment on the football field, it, embarrassing things happening off the field, the club becoming a joke and a punchline, and that still doesn't work. It, like nothing's going to work nothing is going to change it these these people need to get bored and move on to something else you know at least in the past when he had chairman that were more well known for doing morning teas they had an eye on ruining something else you know yeah. it feels like these fuckers are still focused on ruining the west tigers they need to be given something else like a, a fucking a-league club to ruin or AFL a, <laughs> an afl team an afl team Probably yeah, yeah Netball something, you know? Uh nah, netball doesn't leave you. you can go to rugby union. Oh, net how crap is netball? Netball's not a sport. Better than AFL. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Tougher. To Makes very, more sense. Much tougher. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Much more logical. Has yep. has rules that make sense. hmm Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not
1: gonna shit on with Netball. Way less ice. <laughs> Way less. <laughs> Way less. <laughs> Yes. Way more diverse. Fastly more diverse. Ninety ninety eight percent blonde girls play netball, but way more diverse than AFL. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Can't agree with that. Now, um there
0: there's an article at the moment I need to raise this. Because I it's it's a dumb topic going on at the moment. But the the heading that the dickheads over at Yahoo Sports have written up for this is worded so badly. Okay.
2: It
0: says, NRL fans in frenzy over James Tedesco act amid ugly wife furor.
1: What? 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 What is this about? First of all, you know how it, like, uh, you know my thoughts on rugby league players' wives? Yes. Like, I, I just don't give a fuck. No one gives a fuck. Oh, that is the worst headline. Okay. Okay. Keep me with
0: it, though. I'm ready. The actual story is, mm-hmm. was it last last week, week before? Trent Robinson said to, De- to Tedesco, I'm resting you this week. I need you to go and get some rest. Have a bit of R&R. You've had a pretty tough origin campaign. Um, some of the guys are looking like they need a bit of a rest, but we need to start with you first. And I want you to come back absolutely fucking raring to go. So you've got a week off. Yeah. And so he and his missus went to I don't know, they went up the coast somewhere, Costa Harbour or somewhere, like who cares? They, that's yeah. what they did. They went up there. Okay. Yeah. Buzz Rothfield got the shits. Why? Well you know, every other, every, every other person has um you know, like Nathan Cleary, he went up to he flew up to Townsville. Yeah. when he when he was unable to play to watch his team play. Yeah. Um there was some other captain who flew overseas, uh, flew over to New Zealand to watch their team play over there when they weren't able to play, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And his argument was Tedesco should have been there with his team when they were playing against the Storm. Okay. He was making a huge fucking deal about it. Yeah. And my response is I give a fuck. No. Um, especially when the club has told him to do it. So the NRL fans um, shouldn't be pluralized. Yeah. It's in one.
1: Yeah, one old, old yeah.
0: fuck. And let's be in honest, it. he's not a fan either because he doesn't no. watch the game and he doesn't like it.
1: No. It's up, um, they're on
0: past his bedtime. Yeah, so it should start with, this they're saying NRL fans, it should say dumb old cunt mm-hmm. uh, in frenzy over James Tedesco act amid the ugly wife funeral. So it's.
2: The, the reason why his
0: wife's involved is because she put up one picture yeah. of the ocean saying um, something like, you know, we're having a bit of time to relax before we get back into the, the serious part of the season or something like that. It was completely yeah. innocuous.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: There's no humans in it. Yeah. What's the um, ugly part though? Because the, the I don't know, I'm guessing it's either the frenzy or the furor is what's ugly. Yeah, but the dickheads have put wife between furor and ugly to make sense. it look like they've they've made out like James Tedesco. Um Like they've made it out so that NRL fans are very very pissed off because James Tedesco has an ugly wife.
1: <laughs> can you believe which, that the players don't want to talk to these journalists? By the way, sorry. Can you believe that the players don't want to talk to these journalists? By the way, isn't that a shock? Yeah, but how can you get that
0: that heading wrong? How yeah, can you that's... not read that and go, "Hmm, maybe that's
1: wrong." I was expecting some scandalous stuff. No, it was just, he just did what he was told to do. Yeah, hey, that's weird. Yeah. Um. So yeah,
0: journo's, you fucked. Get better at English. <laughs> 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 it's kind of you. It's kind of the trade you ply. You know, you should be better at that. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, one other thing I did hear about was, uh Cameron Serraldo. Mm-hmm. Word is. He's not tired, is he? He's starting to get a bit tired. Oh, shit. Yeah. First year into, what is it, a five-year deal? Yeah, it's something like that, isn't it? It's a long one. Yeah, Yeah, there's talk that Gus has said, I mean, you're looking a little bit sleepy.
1: Well, I mean, there was was news during the week that they – told a couple of players that they'd re-signed to long term deals earlier this week, uh this year, sorry, that they could look elsewhere. So the Phil Gould salary cap bullshit where he treats it like a fantasy team is well underway now. And um you know that it's I said I said Seraldo needs to go in and say, hey, I've got to be completely in charge of all of this because his career is on the line. You know, it's this is it for him. If he If he stuffs this up, it's going to be very hard for him to get a a career going after this. And, you know, if it's his whole career, he can't leave a percentage of it to Phil Gould's whims, you know. Um, Gould has spent a lot of money and been paid a lot of money to get the Bulldogs to second last on the ladder. I mean, it's, it's such a failure. It's a real big failure. And people will point to what he did at Penrith. The Bulldogs don't have this ridiculous junior base that spits out internationals every couple of years with you. Look after it. Don't look after it. You know, it's just going to do it. Michael Jennings turned up when they were coached by Matthew Elliott, you know? So I I just don't know where it all goes for the Bulldogs because it, it feels like they make poor decisions with recruitment and, the the coach is going to wear it, but this will be the third coach under Phil Gould. It's um, I? I don't know. I
0: wonder if Phil Gould's looking at the the Tigers manager and going, "I
1: reckon I can beat that record with second coaches." I, I mean, mean, it's got to be close. Have I missed? Was there somebody else in there? There was Dean Pay, there was Trent Barrett, and was there? Did Steve Georgialis coach for a little bit there too, or there was someone there? I think Georgialis was. Oh, you know who it was? No, it was the dude that used to coach. Mick. The, Mick Potter. Yeah, Mick Potter. That's it. Yeah. Didn't keep him around either,
0: did he? No, which is crazy given how well he did mm. in such a short period of time. Yep. Um, when did Gould turn up there?
1: It's a good question. I feel like he's been there. What? He was there two. Th- I think he was there two thousand nineteen, wasn't he? Because he had that one season where he was um, helping out the Warriors via text message. Yeah, or maybe that was two thousand and nineteen, and it was part way through that he went to the Bulldogs. Yeah, because the
0: year after that, he sorry, the year before that, he did the review of the
1: Dragons. Yeah, and that's has just... hasn't that gone well? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I, I think that the thing about Gould at Penrith. <coughs> They needed somebody to come in and be in, and be in charge of stuff, and because there really wasn't that one focal that one focus of someone that could make those decisions. In a way, it was it was almost like the Panthers Club said, "We need this to happen to us, and we're willing to give the power over to somebody else to do this," uh, which you don't see very often. It's kind of crazy that they did that. Gould come in. He he talked to everyone and then started making changes. Getting rid of Matthew just having somebody that could make the decision to get rid of Matthew Elliott was a positive. Um, you know, being able to get Ivan Cleary was a kind of a, a miracle because the New Zealand Warriors should never, ever, ever, ever had left let him go. That's the biggest probably wasted opportunity as far as a coach goes in the modern era of the game.
0: Oh, no, the West Tigers let him go as well, and they should never have done that.
1: That's true. That's true. And but, I
0: mean, he did They forced that upon him, too.
1: But he didn't want to leave the Warriors. And he wanted, I think he wanted, like, a three-year deal or something, or a four-year deal, and they only wanted to give him two years. And it's like, what was the, what was the alternative? And we've seen the alternative for the Warriors. It's been, you know, terrible since since Ivan Cleary left until this year. Yeah. Um. But when Ivan Cleary come back for his second stint, the first thing I think he did was say, Gould's got to be out of here by a certain time. Because the club has been much more stable since Gould has been gone. And there's been less uh, off-field generated bullshit since Phil Gould was gone. Um, and it's been nice. It's been good. And I think it's been good for the team, you know. All of the continued drama is not good for a club especially when the guy's supposed to be running the football department you
0: know yeah i I think we have seen the oh he left the panthers and they they went well without him there yeah he did a review of the dragons which has seen them go worse Mm -hmm. he's at the bulldogs and he's making them go worse Mm mm-hmm Maybe he needs to go to the Tigers because he can't make them worse than the <laughs> shit they already are. That might be the thing that, you know, two wrongs make a right. <laughs> it's possible, huh? <laughs> hey? He'd be able to white-hand the, the fucking Muppets running the show <laughs> better than anybody else and get them out of there. And then Sheens could snipe him in the back like he always does.
1: Yeah, that would be good. He, what if he sacked Sheens, but in four <laughs> years' time, Sheens comes back to do a review of Phil Gould and his sacks <laughs> fool.
0: <laughs> it takes his job, yeah yeah oh that that would be very West Tigers. It's the circle of life at the west West tigers it is it's kind of like if you were to get you know having having goulds and sheens having that big thing it'd be like getting two hammers and bash them together. <laughs> you get a massive explosion, and everyone loses their sight, but nothing <laughs> else happens.
1: it's just misery, things <laughs> just get worse you know that's, i was I was I was talking to you about this uh the other week where. I was listening to a podcast and it was former Philadelphia 76ers coach Doc Rivers was talking to Bill Simmons and he was talking about how when he come out, when he come into the Philadelphia 76ers and they had been through the process, which is basically tank as much as you can get as many top draft picks as you can year after year. And then at some point you flick a switch and you become good. Right. Mm -hmm. And in a, in a, it hasn't worked out great. But surprise! <laughs> but okay they they did start winning games, and doc Re- but then they got to a point where they made a coach and change doc Rivers come in. Doc Rivers talked about when you go into a team that has been so bad for so long um the things that the players have learned in terms of the standards that are set and what you need to do to be professional they're set at such a low level that it is pretty much impossible to turn it around without replacing everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And he was talking about the guy that won, the basically the guy that won the MVP award this year. As good as he was, there are still things that he just doesn't feel he needs to do to be successful because he was not taught this stuff early on. And I've been, and I've talked about this a little bit on a podcast and touched on a bit where you look at the Bulldogs and the West Tigers uh, the Dragons now, to a certain extent, these, and the Newcastle Knights is a really good example. When your club goes, to, goes not just bad, but goes to absolute rock bottom. So if you say, for instance, the Gold Coast Titans, bad, that's bad, right? Yep. But it hasn't been the sort of rock bottom that the Knights, the Bulldogs, and the, the Tigers have hit, where it's just a mess, a hopeless mess and you stay there, right? Yep. To get out of that, I think the nights are showing. It's like a it's like a 10-year process, and that's why it's so important not to end up in that hopeless position because you don't just turn it around. You know, it's something where it takes kind of a about three or four different coaches and a massive turnover of players, a new generation of juniors coming in, like so many different players that you bring from outside of the club that some of them retire, you know. It's almost impossible to turn it around. And it's, it's probably the hardest thing to do in football is to make that big turnaround. And I've thought about that for a while. We don't have tanking for draft picks in the NRL. But when your team tanks so bad getting out of that situation is like it's almost impossible and I think we're seeing that right now I mean the Bulldogs you look at the Bulldogs the Bulldogs have had four different coaches now under Phil Gould this their fourth coach they have spent millions of dollars on players they have got rid of other players brought guys in and they're second last yeah that's the thing, they've, they've brought in a lot of
0: um, players who've come from a lot of success. Yeah. And they seem to think that oh, if you come from success, everyone else will come up to your level. But more often than not, it is it is easier to get lazier than it is to get, you know, to work harder.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if uh, that comes back to what you were saying there. If the bar is set low, then they don't have to try harder. They just stay where they are, and they'll plateau. So they're not getting lazier, but they plateau, which is basically the same as going backwards these days. Yeah, yeah. If you're not going forward, you're going backwards. Yeah. So they plateau, they don't go anywhere until everyone comes up to where they are, and they get a little bit more competitive, but that's as far as they go, a little bit better. And a little bit better is not enough when the game constantly evolves and changes. If you're not constantly you know, with where the game is changing to, Everyone should have seen a few years ago when they started changing the rules, especially when they changed from two referees down to one, that being defensively strong was going to be really important. Mm-hmm. Because the attack was going to open up a little bit more, you going to be a little bit more freedom around the ruck as well. So you need to start being better defensively, especially in the middle. And you know, I've said it recently. You have a look in the, the stats for the last two or three seasons, and the top eight defensive sides are the eight teams that make the finals. Yeah. Not the best attacking sides, they're all over the place, but the the best defensive sides are the ones that are making the finals. And I don't know, it's just a, an obvious... That is one of the easiest and most obvious stats to look at, which dictates so much, and yet so many clubs still haven't figured that out.
1: I, th- I think because it's an... Like, defence... People say defence is an attitude, and it it's, it really is. And it's an effort thing as well. You know, and and... Sometimes you'll see teams, they'll, they'll be leading by 40 points and they'll kill themselves to stop a try. The Storm are great at that, you know. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's weird that when you see a team that just can't get over that hump, and it's almost like losing is a disease. And once that disease is in your club, it's hard to eradicate, really, really difficult to eradicate. At what um, point,
0: though, does, say, like with the West Tigers, yeah. that... The disease wants to try and shake the West Tigers, because <laughs> yeah, I think I think failure is now infest, infected with the West Tigers, and it wants out. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it's sick of it. It just
0: yeah. wants to change its scenery. That's all. I, I just want to know if there's, the grass is greener somewhere else.
1: <laughs> Can I go back to Wales, please?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it, it's really it's really shocking that. I mean, the West Tigers spend the same amount of money on players as the Panthers do, you know, and we shouldn't really talk about the Panthers. We've talked about the Panthers being an anomaly. Like what we're seeing with the Panthers is like only happened at this point, I don't know, five or six times ever in Australian Rugby League, um, where you've got this young team that's achieved so much so quickly, um, you know, it just doesn't happen. normally it's older teams that do that. So it's hard to really say, oh, I like the Panthers. But look at the Storm. The Storm is a good way to line clubs up because they don't have local juniors. So they've got to recruit their juniors. So they're on the back foot straight away compared to most clubs. And yet they've got this mentality at the club and a professionalism that even when they can lose a handful of really good players, I mean, their forward pack was decimated last year at the end of last year. And yet you look at them play this year and they're pretty bloody good still. And that that's the professionalism of the club, you know, and that's the, the standards that they set for everyone. doesn't matter if you're number 30 on the list or the, you know, the club captain, they expect a standard out of you. And you can't just flick the switch, you know, It it doesn't happen like that. And nope. that's why we've had these terrible teams in the last 10 years.
0: Well, if we look at the um the last fifty annual games ladder that I put up, which I mentioned before,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Penrith are at the top of the list, forty wins from fifty games. Oh, Jesus Christ! The West Tigers at the bottom, ten wins from fifty games. No, that's <laughs> equally as bad. Jeez. As, wow. someone, as someone replied, the the Tigers are the Yang to the Panthers' yang. Yeah. Um. The the Panthers have the best points difference, the best um, attack, and the best defense, and the Tigers have the worst points difference, the worst defense, and the worst attack. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. The only the only area that the Tigers are not the worst at is the number of times they've conceded scores of forty or more. Oh, who's done that worst? Is it the Bulldogs? The Dragons have had it happen ten times in the last fifty games. God, which is a lot.
1: That's crazy, yeah.
0: Um and the next worst is the Warriors and the Bulldogs with eight each.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then Manly, uh the Knights, and the Tigers all have six each.
1: Okay. And the Warriors, they're once again an anomaly with what they've gone through.
0: Yes, and they are starting to surge up through the pack pretty quickly too. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it's it's interesting. Now, the other interesting thing for me was the number of teams – that are all hanging around, um, you know, 31 to 29 wins out of 50, the last 50 games. hmm So Melbourne has 31 wins, so they're second best. Cronulla... Wow,
1: they're so far behind Penrith. Mm, nine That's wins crazy.
0: behind. That's crazy. Cronulla, uh, these are in order for points difference, by the way. Cronulla's third, um, and along with Cowboys and Brisbane, both have 30 wins from 50 games. Mm-hmm. South and Parramatta and the Raiders have twenty nine wins each. They make up the top eight. Then the Roosters have got twenty seven, and then there's a big gap after that. Manly with twenty two. Um, on win percentage, the Dolphins come in eleventh. Mm-hmm. Um, the Warriors with twenty one wins. The Knights with nineteen. The Titans and Dragons with seventeen. The Bulldogs with fourteen, and the Tigers with ten. Wow, that's
1: interesting. Hey,
0: it is. It is. It's it's amazing too, for me how, well, you talk about the gap between Penrith and Melbourne for wins. Yeah. The gap between those two sides, and they're the two best defensive sides. Yeah. The gap there in defence is insane. Melbourne's conceded 901 points, so that's 18 points a game. And Penrith have conceded 644 at 12.8 <laughs> points per game.
1: Well, I mean, they're the best, I think it. they're the best defensive team of the modern era. And oh, com- comfortably, comfortably. Yeah, and and I think that um, I mean when you start looking at the best defensive teams of all time it's it's hard to, to really quantify because the game has changed so much like you know it, it's difficult but I mean what they do every week is kind of crazy that's why even last week I mean they put 40 on the Bulldogs and the Bulldogs scored I think 18 points by the end of the game and it was like oh what what's wrong with Penrith you know they yeah. let not score that many points it's only 18 points
0: so The other thing I was going to raise, because this one was is what surprised me too, is how many points do you think Panthers have scored more than Melbourne in the last 50 games?
1: More. Um, in the last 50? Yep. I bet it's actually pretty close. Yeah, right there. Yeah. Are they within 10 or something ridiculous like that? Yes, they are. Are they really? Yeah. Wow. It is Mm
0: -hmm. one point.
1: Wow, that's really interesting.
0: (laughs) I thought that was pretty insane. So Penrith, 1270. Melbourne, 1269. uh, The Sharks, 1252. They're only 18 points away. The Cowboys are only four points behind the Sharks. Um, South are 12 points behind the Cowboys. Parramatta's 15 points behind South. Starts to drop off after that. But, yeah, it's pretty close. There's five... Six teams all with um
1: with forty nine points between them, between twelve seventy and twelve twenty one. Yeah, I, I think the thing, like if you think about the big wins, like that say sixty points putting a, t- a sixty points on a team, I think it's fair to say it's more likely that Melbourne or even Souths would do that someone than Penrith. Yeah, the
0: the big fifty plus scores absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: as far as Scores of forty or more. The Panthers have done that more often than anybody else.
1: Yeah, yeah, but they don't. They don't kick on and do those. Like, what are the record books saying now? You know, yeah, that's they right. haven't they, done that.
0: They get out to a good lead and then they just go right. Let's just focus on being,
1: you know, some defence training. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And like, I mean, it's, the thing about what Penrith are doing, it's hard to really argue with anything that, that they're doing. You know, because um, it, it obviously works. But uh, I, I wonder if we will, during this time that they're all together, if we'll see them come up against a team where, you know, for whatever reason that clicks. I mean, it looked like it was going to be that way at the start of that Bulldogs game on, on the weekend. But then the game changed a little bit. And I, honestly, it sounds silly because of the scoreline, but I thought the Bulldogs did pretty well considering. But um, I wonder if we ever see a, a moment where, say, for instance, for whatever reason, the stars align and Penrith comes out against a team just feeling really good. And they play like that first half in the grand final last year where, and they do that against a poor team. And all of a sudden it's like, it's like they've got 48 points at half time, you know, because against the, the, uh, eels, there were points in that game where it was like, you started looking at the record books in that first half hour of the, the game, you know, mm. uh, I think that most teams, they would have put sixty on. I think they would have flogged. I thought the Eels did pretty good to get out of there with not giving up the record score in a grand final. Yeah. Um. You know, and, and if they come out and play like that against, say for instance the the Dragons, like what what would they be capable of? That's what one thing I would like to know. Yeah, you know,
0: I'd I'd like to see what they were able to do against yeah Penrith. Mm. If they went, fuck it, let's try and smash some record books today. Mm. I'd like to stay up against the West Tigers, but for some reason, Penrith wants to struggle against them all the time. So maybe the Bulldogs. Just see what they can do. Yeah, yeah. Why why do Penrith struggle against the Tigers? Is it because they're blown away by how shit they are and it's sort of, sort of tears in their eyes from
1: all the laughter? Or <laughs> what is it? I don't, I don't get it. I don't know, because it's like they're three and two over the West Tigers, I think we yeah. found out. Oh no! They, they, I tell you what, they were, it was like three wins and two losses what, uh, during Jerome Luai's career against the West Tigers, which that, I that's think right. is not a bad marker for this current generation of the Panthers. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a weird one. It is an odd
0: one. You, I, know and,
1: I know you and me, when they've played against one another in the last couple of years, we've been waiting for that game.
0: Yeah, I've been waiting for Penrith to turn up and just put 90 on the Tigers and it just doesn't happen.
1: Like, I don't know whether I'm disappointed or happy with the result. <laughs> it's kind of it's, it's like it's hard to say because I, I feel sorry for West Tigers fans and I'd, I'd hate seeing you fucking see a team going through it. But it feels a little bit disappointing when it's like they will win 28 points to 14 or something like that. And it's like, oh, you, you know. Well, got this, the that's disappointing about
0: it is because the Tigers have been competitive. Mm. everyone at the club goes, wow, that was not a bad result. And going, it's a loss. Yeah, but we didn't get flogged. And going, that shouldn't be the marker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: But that's where they're at.
1: Because the, like you, you would have to say the West Tigers are the most likely to give up that ridiculous scoreline. Like oh, the,
0: they've conceded 70 twice in two seasons
1: now. Yeah, yeah. Like, when the West Tigers play the Storm, I don't care how bad the Storm's going, you, you could see the Storm put 66 points on them, you know?
0: Yeah. That's, that's not a t- tall order at all.
1: Mm, mm.
0: Now, um let going to change the pace a little bit here and, the, and shift our attention over to England.
1: Oh, nice. Have,
0: have you heard who's in the Challenge Cup final this year?
1: I believe it is those... Crack Addicts from Hulk KR. Yes. Meth-smoking, bloody, backwards, hillbilly cunts. And (laughs) the other ones are the uh, Leopard Bums. That's the one. Yeah.
0: um, There's a lot of people over in England who are saying this is going to be one of the worst drawing Challenge Cup finals in ages. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I'm thinking... Is it though? Because, and hear me out here, it's not because I think both these teams have got massive followings and they're going to turn up and swamp the crowd. I think something more about the intrigue factor. Like, oh, we've finally got a a final in a game of rugby league over there that doesn't include Wigan, Leeds, St Helens. (laughs) Yes. Like, they're not one of the two teams in there.
1: Yeah, I th- I think I'll watch it
0: now. I'm I'm curious to see what'll happen. Yeah. Um, so I am watching in. I I don't know which which team I want to
1: support in this one. Um, I, yeah, I was thinking about this. I think, and I know I'm a Hull FC fan, a proud bottle thrower, uh, and it would almost be blasphemous to go for Hull KR. But I I've got some friends that follow Hull KR, and I know how over the moon they'd be if they won the Challenge Cup. And also, they're not called the Lee Leopards.
0: <laughs> well, the thing
1: with the Lee Leopards is
0: they're called the Leopards, but the animal on their jumper is not a leopard. No, no. It's a different type of cat. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, they don't even know what they are. They should yeah. just go back to being the Centurions, whatever and it was that ripped off Wigan.
1: Yeah, exactly. And look, whole,
0: whole KRS <laughs> I don't know. Who was it that ripped off? It wasn't Wigan. Who were the Centurions before
1: Oh, shit. I can't remember. Nah, neither can I. Who cares? Um, <laughs> and look, Hulk KR is a very famous club. Um, their supporters do stick by them through thick and thin, like being in a doll line. And, uh, you know, they'd, they'd be pretty excited because there's not many people in Lee. I mean, if you took the whole town of Lee and stuck it in the stand, the stand would still be half empty. So it's going to mostly be Hulk KR fans. I wish I was selling spoons in London that weekend. Hey, <laughs> well, you're busy selling them out
0: of Campbelltown. Oh, that's why.
1: Incredible.
0: <laughs> oh man, it, it's um, yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm definitely gonna see, try and tune in for that one. It's on yeah. at three p.m. London time. I don't know what time that is over here anymore.
1: That would be. Uh, let me think. I'll work it out. That's midnight. Midnight. Oh, for fuck's sake. Why? What's wrong with that? I'm going to work the next day. (laughs) Well, you can fucking not have any sleep. Just pull a sickie. No one's listening to this, Andrew. (laughs) Just pull a sickie. (laughs) I'll
0: just have to watch it on replay or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. Watch it on the train when I get up at five in the morning to go to work. Yeah. Trying to look at social media. True. True. It's not exactly hard. All they're doing is bitching about a book about rooting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I won't go down that path. We'll move on. What else is there to talk about? There was a, a an international game that was played over the week.
1: Oh, yeah, there was. Who was it between again? I forget. It was Philippines played against uh, uh, South, South Africa. Africa. Yeah, and South Africa smashed them.
0: Yes. Um, large reason for that was the Philippines side was not their top quality side either okay okay yeah but the south africans won 72 to 14 so that must mean something to them i guess yeah i wonder
1: if people in south africa knew it was on um i'll go with no yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're weird those internationals that just pop up out of nowhere and are played in australia
0: yeah that's the thing it was played on the gold coast as well this one so is. uh this is an interesting one. South Africa up 48-4 to four at halftime. Um, is there anyone in here who we might know? Let's have a look. I don't She'll think there will be. is there? No. Ah, oh, damn it. Um,
1: no, no one there. Okay. There you go. Uh, great game. I think that games like that, when it's not your full side, they really should be called like, you know, say Philippines A or something like that.
0: Yeah, because of this weird um, system they've got with the rankings,
1: mm-hmm.
0: as we found during COVID and how England got to number one purely just through playing yeah, you know, playing whatever. It yeah. didn't matter if they won or lost. I think another team went up because even though they lost games, um, just having games is enough to get you uh, moving upwards, and that's a weird system.
1: Yeah, and I guess the thing to remember too is now you're moving up in a system that has no outcome. So, that, yeah. I mean, how much does it really matter? Well, the thing they want it to. Um,
0: so I don't know. They've got to figure out a way to make that thing work because at the moment it, it's you can't have a sensible, smart, logical, like statistically logical ladder. Mm to determine who the best team in the world is when some of the European nations could play, you know, seven or eight games in a year and Australia yeah. might only play one. Yeah. But you can't tell me that the Netherlands, while winning four or five games throughout the year, are better than Australia, even if Australia loses by one point to New Zealand or something like that.
1: Yeah. And There's and,
0: and, uh, something we've got to work on there.
1: Yeah. And look, last year's World Cup showed us that people in Europe can't play rugby league. You know, and the results prove that.
0: Yeah, so I I don't know what they do.
1: They're trying to use these weird percentages
0: systems. They've used ones with total points. They've used, um, like, the only thing that makes logical sense that they've gone to in recent times is having historical records there. Mm -hmm. The only problem with that, though, is it will um, give teams who have been around for a lot longer... Um, but not necessarily strong teams, uh, a higher ranking than they probably deserve. So, for example, Russia and the USA first played games in the uh, very early 1990s. Mm. A lot of other international sides didn't come in until after that. Yeah. Um, Japan played on and off after about 1995. Um, but then you look at teams like Wales played in you know, the early 1900s.
1: First Test match ever.
0: Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it's kind of weird. France stopped being genuinely competitive with the big nations in the 60s,
2: mm.
0: but because they've been playing since the 1930s and they were good, they were world class in the 50s mm. um, and uh, rightfully declared the greatest um, international side during the 1950s. Mm. That
2: was
0: a phenomenal side they had then. Um, and it was a massive upset when they lost the uh, World Cup in 1954. Massive upset.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so but you know, having all of that success seventy years ago, it's still gonna count to having having them have a higher ranking, um, whether they deserve it or not. So it's it's a hard one. You've got to try and find that balance. So maybe maybe not have results from the entire past included. But maybe just have um, either the number of games played or the year that they first start playing international football as some sort of a marker. So maybe they're going to a group based on what decade they came in or something like that, um, or the number of years they've played. So if the, you know as time goes on, you know they might drop down into another group with another team or something like that, and then they can start dropping further down if they're no good, or you know jumping up further if they start getting better and better.
2: Hmm.
0: Might be a way they've got to start grouping it a little bit differently, so it's a bit more accurate. Um,
1: I think it comes back to the question of who the world rankings for. You know, if if it's to get a snapshot of where teams actually stand, I, I think that the way they're doing it is completely asked backwards. You know, and and really, if you want to go by where teams actually stand, it's kind of got to you kind of got to eyeball it. And the problem is the way the uh, International Rugby League would eyeball it is they'd say, well, we want to get a bunch of English journalists and a bunch of Australian journalists that we know, so they're, they're all working in England, and we want them to work out where all the teams are. And, oh, my God, England's so good on this list that we've put out. And, it, it, like, like you and me look at the current list and we laugh at it, Right. And you and me are about as diehard rugby league people as you could find. So neutral people, the, and neutral people don't look at it, you know? No. It, they don't look at it. So who's it for? I think... I don't think the current list is for anyone. I think it's a big wank.
0: In its current, in its current system, absolutely it is. Yeah. Um, what, what it should be for is determining who makes the World Cup.
1: But we don't have World Cups anymore.
0: No, no. we're talking about, you know, how it should work. Mm. So if we had an actual World Cup that was run properly and we had a set number of teams in there, Mm -hmm. then the ranking should determine which teams are in there. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to have all of these little competitions everywhere. And and, you can still have them, but they shouldn't be the determining factor of who gets in. Like, you know, it's hard to argue against say a team like Serbia in Europe has probably been one of the most consistently strongest sides throughout the last 15 years in that lower tier of Europe. Yeah. Yet I've never made a world cup, but Greece came out of nowhere and just got it in the space of two or three seasons. And to me, I don't want to take anything away from Greece, given where they came from and what they had to do in order just to play rugby league there. That is nothing short of phenomenal, but it's not, It doesn't seem right, given how much Serbia has done and how much they've worked and how much stuff they've achieved in their own country and what they've done at the international level, to be completely um, dismissed, I guess, as a possible team to play in the World Cup,
1: just because of a few
0: little competitions here and there.
1: Um, Well, what what we need, we really in rugby league badly need a a second tier of World Cup. Um, they had one, the Emerging Nations one. Yeah. look they've only played it twice though. I, I and know, and miles and that's apart. And, and I don't know if you call it that amateur rugby league World Champions or, or Championship or whatever. I think Emerging Nations is a bit condescending. It um, is, but there needs to be that level because, like, as good as Serbia has been, and as much footy as the Netherlands plays, and as great of a story it was for Greece. And, like, those sides against a Samoa are not even a – they're like a bug on a windshield, you know. Mm. And that's not good for anyone. That's not good for those teams. That's not good for Samoa. That's not good for Rugby League. That's good for no one. And we need that level so that – if look, if Serbia is killing everyone at that level, you know, and it's clear they're just a cut above everyone else – or they have a a handful of professional players come through for whatever reason, like then if they, then put them in the the main world cup. But as it stands, having these lower tier nations up against sides that that, like they're not even like they're, they're worse than a training run for them. You know, it's not good for rugby league. And that's what we saw at the last world cup where, Th- what did we work out? There were six competitive matches in the whole thing. Yeah. It was, And it was fucking boring. And if you and me are sitting there going, this fucking thing is boring, then neutral people are watching it and, and just saying, oh, I'll never come back and watch this stuff again because the last one was shit.
0: Yeah, it, it wasn't great. Um, and while we're on the Manchester Rookie League, um, Here's one you might know a bit more about. Mm-hmm. The p NRL bid received a $5.5 million boost from the Australian government on the 22nd of July, just three days ago.
1: Okay, so good news, everyone. Good, really good news. In Australia, we uh, tackled homelessness. No homeless people anymore. So we're now able to spend money on p fucking NRL team bid. Isn't it wonderful?
0: Well, at least the uh, money that the government has isn't going to other sports.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Why uh, can't they give some of the money to the West Tigers? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just surprised all that money wasn't sent to the Ukraine like everything else. Um, Ooh. I know. Don't start me on this shit, Andrew. God. <laughs> um, I was. I thought it was fucking outrageous to see five and a half million bucks was spent on an NRL team bid by the federal government. Um, I had somebody message me and say, "Don't dis- discount the fact that this bid will get very powerful backing, not just by business within PNG and and some of the biggest mining companies in the world there, but by many different governments that think that it would be a way for to have a PNG team to uh, grease the wheels for P&G to." Um, stay on side with them as opposed to cozying up with other governments in the region that they don't want them cozying up with. Mm, I hope that ma- I hope that makes sense to everyone.
0: It's a really, really, really weird thing. Cause what happens if the NRL goes? Let's not have a
1: team in PNG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what what's the what the fuck would you spend five and a half million bucks on?
0: Well, I'm looking at the quotes here from the Federal Minister for International Development and the Pacific, Mr Pat Conroy. Mm -hmm. Um, He announced his pledge during his recent visit to PNG and he said, During my visit this week, I was proud to announce 5.5 million to support Papua New Guinea's pathway to having a team in Australia's National Rugby League competition. This investment by the Albanese government will support player pathways and a talent academy for PNG youth. Recognising their great potential and passion for the game It will help develop the business case for a PNG team to play in the NRL. It is the next step in our support for Rugby League in PNG, building on long-running support for the sport at the grassroots through development programs like League for Life and high-performance programs under Pacific Oz Sports talent identification and player development are a critical part of developing a competitive and sustainable PNG NRL team. Um, any chance or I can run the Tigers? <laughs> that would be Andy A. He sounds like he knows who he's talking about a little bit. Um, the only weird thing about this is because rugby league is the national sport of PNG. Yeah. All the pathways that the juniors have there is directly into rugby league. So I don't get what he's getting on about there. Um, yeah.
1: I think that one of the things that, because and G's not is not like, unless you're living in PNG right now and you're you're listening to this podcast, PNG is like no country for any other listener that we have. It's a very different country, um, and you know there's a chan- there's a huge opportunity there to use sport to get uh, different messages to people. And I think that that's a positive thing. And we've seen that. I I think a a number of years ago, we saw um, the Australian A team uh, went over and Mel Meninga was obviously coaching them and they love Mel Meninga over there. And they were pushing uh, the message about safe sex during that tour. And it was an opportunity to get that message out there through rugby league. So there's that positive that comes out of it. But when, when you see that it, it's going into a bid for a professional team. I think that puts a lot of people offside, but you just need to look at the person that is announcing it and what their job title is. Like this wasn't the minister for sport or anything. Um, And this was only pointed out to me during the week by somebody that um, uh, tweeted it to me. And they said, it's probably part of something much bigger and to keep your mind on that. And if that's the case, I think P&G will be the next team in the NRL because I think that they will get they will get so much uh, backing from powerful people that the NRL would be very hard-pressed to say no to it. And that's looking past the football side of things where I think you and me agree, you could probably put P&G in the NRL this weekend and they would not be a bad team to watch.
0: Oh, absolutely not. They, they play the game with such a... Um, a unique sort of flair and physicality.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, it's addictive to watch. I'd love to see PNG competition games on TV on a regular basis. Can you imagine?
1: They, <laughs> they are insane. It would be cool to see, like, like some of the local PNG games. And, I mean, those they must be just wars. They must be absolute just... Because the way that their test team plays, it doesn't matter who they're playing against, they just go in 1,000% and try and destroy you. doesn't matter who you are. And, and seeing two p g sides playing each other would be so cool. <laughs> they are just intense.
0: Mm. I fucking love it, man. Yeah, It's addictive to watch. Yeah, I mean, they're my
1: favorite team to watch.
0: Oh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, One of the greatest games I saw as far as intensity goes was watching when they played Great Britain a few years back. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, that was insane. Um, Was there anything else to go on about in Rugby League world?
1: The only other thing that uh, jumped out at me was Dane Laurie going back to the Panthers for one year, which... And then he went and he started playing pretty well for the West Tigers immediately. (laughs) Um, Interesting move by him. I think it's probably a smart move. Uh, There's a little bit of talk about, uh, Jerome Luai. He has changed management companies. And of course, whenever the media hears a player changes management companies, they say it's a drama. Like it's not just a business decision that maybe was made, but, um, and so that the Panthers are going to have to make a decision about how much they spend on his contract. I think that he'll stay around. I, I can't imagine they're going to break up this Panthers team, but, um, well, there was an article today that said that um, Dylan Edwards is about to resign for
0: 950k a year.
1: Yeah, I mean the money's drying up in terms of under the salary cap, mm. and you know it's it's hard to argue with giving that money to Dylan Edwards. You know he just does the job so well. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Cleary. They've got the two front rowers locked up. They're, Liam Martin's going to resign for three years. I think that might be done already. Uh, Isaiah O's is under contract, T- uh, Tungor is under contract for long term, uh, To'o is under contract, I think he re-signed uh, a few weeks ago, so most of their key players are signed up, uh, except Jerome Luai, basically, so, you know, he's going to be the odd man out, you'd hope not, but, you know, if Dane Laurie comes back, and I don't think Dane Laurie's shown enough to suggest he's going to be the five eighth for the Panthers going forward as a replacement for, for Luai, but um, he's put himself there. I think that's the best way to put it. He's put himself back in that mix. Yeah. And he, you know, who knows? He might kill it at Penrith. Who knows?
0: I wonder too, if, if both he and Peachy are there currently, with the majority of their contract being paid by the Tigers?
1: Yeah, that's a good question.
0: Because that would be a way for them to actually have them on the books, and that's why they've only signed short-term deals for both of them. Yeah,
1: because tr- yeah, it's basically the end of their Tigers deals. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, the, the, soft, the, the soft targets under the cap is everyone should be sniffing around Bulldogs players. Oh, yeah. Because you're going to get them subsidized by the Bulldogs. And even if they're just at bog average first graders, you might get them for 50% off of what a bog average first grader is worth because of Phil Gould and the way he treats their caps. So um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. There was talk that Jerome Luai could be a target for the Bulldogs. <laughs> Everyone's a target for the Bulldogs at the moment, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. Like if, if, If they get, say, Big Tino from the Gold Coast, right? And they think, let's get rid of, you know, uh, Davida Pangai Jr., or they say, you know, Kickout hasn't played for us really this year. Maybe we should move him on because he's got a a niggling injury. You might pick up these guys, even if they're like 30% of their salary is paid by the Bulldogs. That's huge. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the moment, I've seen.
0: Uh, Talk that uh, Josh Hodgson Is
1: about to retire Yeah because of his neck Yep
0: Yep. Uh, What else was there God there was someone else Obviously Josh Reynolds is is retired
1: Um, Do you think that I just thought of this right now mm -hmm. Paramedic Eels have a Dylan Edwards uh, Dylan Edwards uh, Dylan Brown situation Right Mm Mm-hmm and I don't know that they I don't know that they know what they want to do with that situation and they look at their team and they know that they they're in the mix but they're not really over the top as a as a real premiership contender and Jerome Luwai is possibly available
0: would Luwai
1: work with Moses I think he would I think he would. What do you think? They're both runners. That's the only thing that worries me.
0: I think the the thing that Luon needs is he needs to have um first of all, he needs to be on the front foot when he's getting the ball. So a good hooker is really important to him. Yeah. Kind of very similar, very similar to to Cody Walker. Yeah. When when the pack's not on the front foot and he's getting the ball flat-footed or sideways, he's gone he's doing nothing. Mm. But if he's running forward, he's going to fucking kill you. Um, and is the same. Uh, so I think the Eels, they need to be finding themselves a hooker first and foremost, because they've been struggling without Mo, Red Money there all year. Mm. That's been evidently clear. And now they're going to be without Hodgson um, in just into his first season. So they need to get him medically retired, free up that cash, get themselves a, a decent hooker. Um they don't have to get a rich one. They just need to get one who knows how to go forward. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, and then they've got to... If they if they want, they could probably get Luai then. Um, I do think, though, they should be chasing a, a proper fullback and move mm-hmm. Gutherson to 5'8". I think that would work better for the team cohesion. Yeah, yeah. Because I think too many of their sets are starting, you know, flat-footed or they're bringing a winger in... For the first hit up, and then Gutherson's taken the second one, or they've got to wait for someone to rush back on side, and it's a bit of a it's a it's a sloppy way to start your sets.
1: And like, like every single run back that they're going to do this weekend, you and I and everyone both knows how it's going to how it's going to work out, and that's a problem because you can plan for it so well. Yeah, you know, he's going to uh, run
0: straight towards his winger. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and-, and so as soon as you do that, you're pitching you, you're just, you're boxing your winger into the corner, yep. or you're making your winger run sideways. Neither of them are putting your the rest of your team in any good position to move forward. Because yep. all, yep. you know, if you're putting them in the corner, or your defence just, all the opposition's defence just parks on one side, and they just hammer you, and they bury you. Yep. Or if you're running sideways, the defences defensive lines already set. Well, you've still got all your guys coming back on field, and so you're starting to get buried again. So
1: but that's that, that's why uh, Ta'o is is I think he's the best winger in the game right now because he gets the ball and ninety eight percent of the time he's pushing through the line and instead of the defense coming up and having a set the defense kind of has to come up and then they've got to backtrack in their yeah. set and all straight away you're on the back foot you know the other the other thing that. To'o
0: does really well that never gets mentioned is the fucking fast play of the ball. Yeah, yeah. He falls forward nearly every goddamn time and gets straight up on his feet facing the right direction and the play of the ball is quick, which means the next tackles, that's off the mark. And it's it's that's what's so good about him. His he's one 2
1: run gives you two good runs. And the, the other thing is, too, you've got him on one side. You've got Taruva on the other side who just has worked so hard under the high ball and you can really see it. And he's a good, he's a really strong ball runner too. And I think the fact that there's one of the best strong ball runners we've probably seen in the last 20 years on the other side takes away from what you see from him because it it doesn't stand out as much as it really would in, in most teams. Yeah. But then you get Edwards who, you know, sometimes you see Edwards and you, you think, Oh, he's ran into a three man tackle. Wait a minute. He just spun out of it and he's still going. And he he looks like he's doing everything really slowly and it, so he's really weird and awkward for teams to deal with as well and he doesn't necessarily do the same thing every time at, at like and that's as you say that's the problem with the parramatta eels every single end to well every single start to their set from long kick you know exactly where they're going to be exactly what they're going to do i what if they what if they got rid of brown and offered his money to uh, Joey Manu as a fullback. Ooh, that would be
0: horrifying.
1: I think for opposition teams.
0: Yeah, Joey Manu coming into Parramatta would be um, pretty much a fullback, other than the five-eighth. Also, puts the Roosters in a bit of a quandary because I think they'd be they'd be looking at Manu taking over from Tedesco. But I don't know. I reckon if Manu got offered a, a fullback gig straight away, he'd be a, mad not to take it, and B, mm. I think he'd be very keen to take it.
1: Yeah, and, and look, I would say to Manu, like, what are you, waiting waiting for Tedesco to have his time so you get yours? Like, grab what you can right now. Yeah, um, you, can get, him, you can get a million dollars to be a fullback,
0: you know, in four years' time, or you can just start getting that money now.
1: Yeah, exactly, because um, you never know what's going to happen, you know, so that that would be an interesting move. But uh, we'll see what happens. Is I tend to think that with a lot of these player movements that have been talked about, uh, most of the players are going to stick with their club. Like even Payne Haas, I wouldn't be shocked if he just stays at Brisbane. Oh yeah, I reckon he'll stay. And Tino, big Tino at the Gold Coast. I think he's going to stay at the Gold Coast. I actually think he likes playing there.
0: Yeah, look, I wouldn't be surprised if he does move to the Dolphins, just because it's even closer to where his family is. Oh, is it? Yeah. I didn't know that. He lives, his family comes from I believe from uh Gympie way which is north of Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So the Redcliffe Dolphins are on the north side of Brisbane so it it would put him a lot closer to his family. Not that he's that far away from it at the moment but you know mm. that that might be something that would tempt him to head that way. Yeah. Um yeah. Now I I got to tell you. I think mm. I've got a new favorite team over in England. Oh, really? Who is it? Well, not really in England. They're in France. The Catalan Dragons. Okay, why is that? They might be about to stop the West Tigers from making a West Tigers signing. Have they signed Aiden Caesar? No, but they're
1: apparently very keen on signing Matt Moylan, apparently. (laughs) That might be a good move for Matt Moylan. but But Matt Moylan did feel like a hard West Tigers, didn't he? He is the typical...
0: But he is your gold-plated West Tigers signing. Mm. And not, not Matt Moylan when he was fucking amazing. Or even Matt Moylan last year, who was pretty bloody handy. Mm. Matt Moylan now. Yeah. that That's a West Tigers signing. And not just signing him, but signing him on big money. You know who, who
1: else would be a West Tigers signing? Wade Graham. Yeah, Wade Graham now. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Love yeah, he, Wade Graham you know, as a some, player. But get some I experience in the side, you know? Yeah. Maybe wait until next year, <laughs> just,
0: just to be safe, you know. Just you, you, want to make sure that he still wants to play. So give him one more season at the Sharks. Yeah. If he or, still wants or, to play, that you go, oh, okay, well, sign. You've proved that you
1: wanted to play last year.
0: The West is <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the rule they used on Tamo.
1: Yeah, it really is. <laughs> well, th- just do the same thing they did with Tamo. It's like, listen, we hear he's going to retire. But let's just give him a few weeks after the season, maybe a couple of months, and at Christmas time we'll give him our offer. He'll have itchy itchy feet. He'll (laughs) want to come back. They all do. He'll miss the training. We'll give him (laughs) a few weeks off the start of training, but he'll he'll be back. Besides, it's not like we're going to give him hard training.
0: We'll even tell him that. Mate, you know, at that stage, we'll just train out of a school classroom. You'll be fine, mate. What, are you going to have to lift up a a few tables, stack them up so the cleaner can come in and vacuum the floor? Well, no, we won't even ask you to lift up the vacuum cleaner. Yeah, just take it easy. You'll be fine.
1: Well known for having the easiest training sessions.
0: Yeah, we'll even make you captain. <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't say that to every other siding. Shit, someone's onto us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> mean, more captains than any other club.
0: They're talking at the moment. That the West Tigers got Appy Karasau to reso- or extend his contract. Yeah. They're talking up, that up like it's a great thing. You're going, he's already 30-odd, 30 31? 31. 31, yeah. And he's got a three year deal, uh, two-year deal extended out to three years.
2: Mm.
1: So he's going to be touching 35 by the time his his contract ends now. And what have I said many times before, Andrew? <sighs> name, name a good hooker in all of rugby league history after the age of about 33 who's not called Cameron Smith. Yep. Because I can't fucking think of one. I'm sure England had one. Yeah, but they're playing against other Poms. <laughs> it's fucking easy. It's like being an English winger that scores heaps of tries because you've been marked by other Pommy wingers.
0: <laughs> that actually reminds me of a tweet I was asked during the, during the week. Mm. Who was the last Englishman to top the um, NRL top try scoring charts?
1: Ooh, let me think. Ooh. I, I, was it Brian I've, Carney? No, but I absolutely okay. expect you to get this. Okay, Your last English winger.
0: No, not winger. English player to top right. the try scoring charts for a season in Australia.
1: Okay, now I'm, we're not talking Bob Fulton here, are we? Like, Yes, we see. are. Okay, oh, was He's, it Bob Fulton?
0: It was Bob Fulton. He's the only one who's ever done it. <laughs> the only English-born player to ever do it. There you <laughs> go, Andrew. He did it in
1: 73-76. <laughs> as soon as I found that out, I went, freak, you'll get this. I've got
0: to push
2: it to him. <laughs> <laughs> Shit.
1: no you know what it was because didn't they name carney the fucking Dalian winger of the year that year there was something that they he got and it was like it was just silly and, it wasn't and that people, stupid buddy for Lingus award was it i don't know i, f- I, f- I feel like it was the winger of the year award because yeah,
0: he, he did get winger of the year in 2006
1: he, yeah Cause it, and it was like he's playing for a fucking shitty Newcastle team. and everyone, I don't understand what it is with some people. I think that they want English players to be like they used to be, good. And so they get excited when they see one, and that excitement carries over to their assessment of that player. And I've never felt that, so I just call it what I see, you know? Yes. Like... uh.
0: He was the fourth highest try-scoring winger. In in 2006. Not not, not, not even the highest try-scoring winger. He had 16 tries in 26 games. Merritt had 20 from 21. El Masri had 17 from 26. Some criminal had 17 from 16. And Carney had 16 from 26.
1: Oh, there you go. Fucking Bob Fulton. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's the best English player of all time, Bob Fulton. I, I wouldn't say of all
0: time. There's been some greats, but he's been their best Who's been been, better than Bob Fulton? How dare you? Well, prior to to him, there's been a few. But who's better?
1: Oh, mate. There's there's been a few. I didn't say a lot. Did you see Wales unveiled a statue of their three rugby league players ever? No. Yeah, yeah. Billy Boston? um, Yes. Uh, Oh, there was one bloke who played for, like, centuries. Ali?
0: Sullivan?
1: Sullivan? That's him. Yeah. And then there was another guy, I can't remember the other guy's name. Dafford. Okay. I honestly can't remember, hey.
0: Is it Die Evans? they've had about seven players called Die Evans. Have they? <laughs> I think so.
1: <laughs> or uh, or she, someone
0: Davies. Die Davies.
1: D-A- Davies or Evans. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, they had their they named the three they had the three players.
0: Yeah, they had three three blokes called Die D A I Davies. Yeah and two of them played in 1920
1: uh, in the in the 1930s really yeah well all i could think of was like i saw them unveil statue and i thought mate we produce better players than that at penrith every year
0: i need to find out who they are now it's
1: a nice statue too it was on some i think it was on some lake some lake shore oh gus risman of course but they, they are they are three genuine, absolute legends of, of Welsh rugby
0: league, but in, in British rugby league to be honest. Welsh rugby league. But that that's that's the there's a big gap between those three and the next best in Wales. Big yeah. gap. Yeah. That's like trying to put um as I'm like looking at the gap
1: between, say, Wally Lewis and Sean Rudder. It's almost as big a gap as you'd find between Kieran Cunningham's tits. <laughs> every time you get me, every time with that. <laughs> oh dear, Tanya. He's, he's of all of the players I've ever seen play, he's the best player I've ever seen that has a D cup.
0: Well, except for um, except for George Burgess, but he's was in his pants. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because he's got massive nuts. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I just do so back that clip. Um, yeah, let's be honest. Billy Boston, absolute fucking legend.
1: Welsh rugby league legend. Um, d- d- amazing. Some of the paintings they did about him, amazing. Didn't have photography back then, but anyway. Um, Yeah, Clive Solomon, very, very,
0: very talented winger. Mm, um, mm. 372 tries in just under 600 games.
1: It was marked by palms? <laughs> Actually,
0: that was probably when the palms were too bad. <laughs> he he played from 1961 to 1984. Yeah, that's crazy, hey. And he died the year after he retired.
1: What did he die of?
0: Um, that's a good question, huh? He died of cancer. He's age oh. 42. Oh,
1: Jesus. That's terrible.
0: Yeah. It says the city of Hull held him in such high regard that a section of the city's main approach road, the A63, between the Humber Bridge and the city centre was renamed Clive Sullivan Way in his honour.
1: Oh, really? That's
0: really nice. Um, yeah. That's he crazy.
1: Was... He died one year later from cancer.
0: Far yeah. Yeah. The only player I can think of who was so, who retired so close to, you know, their personal health impacting them that heavily would be, uh, was it Rob Burrow?
1: Yeah, Rob Burrow, I mean, he'd been, I feel like he'd been retired for, what, two and a half years, maybe something like that. It wasn't long. And man, his his illnesses,
0: that has gone so fast.
1: Yeah, I I remember the first time that it, it sort of, they allowed it to become public and he he wasn't well already at that point and it was it was like a hammer blow seeing the poor bloke going through that. Um because he's I mean he's still so young, you know. Yeah. It's terrible.
0: It really is. Um who was the other one? Gus Risman. Um I believe he was also a pretty handy coach too. Um but yeah he he died in nineteen ninety four, age mm-hmm. eighty three. Mm-hmm. his career started in 1929 at Salford and retired mm-hmm. in 1954 at Batley. Wow. That's 25
1: crazy. years. There's something about the 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 life is high. Yeah. Like they insane. they just they just go for that long, I guess. Look, when you look at Wayne Bennett with his playing record and then he goes into coaching, like that's pretty insane in itself. Yeah. And then uh I guess Craig Bellum is the same. He's starting to get up <coughs> starting to get up there. Yeah, oh look, Risman had uh over three
0: hundred games for two clubs, four hundred and twenty-seven for Salford and three hundred and one for Workington. Um and seven hundred and ninety one in his career. Their records are different over there, hey? Yeah, they have they did have much longer seasons, but still yeah. you you can't take away from the toll that has on the on the body.
1: Nah, no. Um,
0: no. You throw in all the—he um, went on a few tours as well, so he's played a, a bunch of rep footy as well. That's not included in those numbers. Um, insane longevity. Like that—that that is the sort of almost once in a generation type of longevity. That's you know, Cameron Smith, for example, is a good example of.
2: <clears throat> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, like pl- playing for twenty years uh, now is outrageous. Yeah. But doing it before, like, all the nutrition and, and proper health care and proper injury prevention and then treatment and stuff, it's like you had to – you really kind of had to embrace hurting all the time because you did. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, obviously that period during um 29
0: through to 54, mm. that was some – Fucking hard tackling in those days. And those grounds in England, they often played on the snow covered grounds. They were rock hard. Um, and they, especially when they got to the end of the season, because they started in the, you know, playing in the winter most of the time. If they had a few winters in a row where the snow or the rain was so intense, they actually had to call games off, Mm. they piled the games on in very short space at the Mm. end of the season. So you have a look at some of the, um, Um, schedules that teams would have and they'd play like maybe five or six games every month. Mm. And then they get to April and May Mm. and there's just like 10 games in April, 12 games in May, just (laughs) pound them in there one game every two or three days just to get the season done. So they could still have a normal sort of off season and then bang, come come again for the next season. And to have that smashing you at the end of the year, Mm. God damn! God
1: yeah, that's damn. insane.
0: Yeah, so that's why people like um Risman and the other one would be Brian Bevan had also a massively long career. Mm-hmm. Um, two blokes who stand out, um, for for longevity anyway. Um, it, it makes their records just that little bit more insane that they did it for so long, given all of those little challenges that they had. Because the modern place that I will never ever have to deal with, um, you know two-day breaks between games and stuff like that. That was so common back then, not just in England either. That happened in Australia when you had kangaroo tours and stuff like that. They'd play every two or three games, uh, every Mm -hmm. two or three days. Mm -hmm.
1: So you'd have two, three games a week. And the the other thing too that I I think gets forgotten about a lot is uh, not knowing your opponent. Like Mm. just something really basic like that. Like you might have heard a little bit about them, but you've – you never, you didn't, you had never seen them before. There wasn't footage or anything. Um, you weren't watching game tapes or anything like that. Oh God, and no. So, and so you would go in against dudes and and to places you hadn't been before as well. It's stuff like that I think uh, gets forgotten about a little bit, and just just that mental preparedness that you'd have to have going into completely unknown territory against completely unknown opponents.
0: Absolutely. Um I I've always had a bit of a theory mm-hmm. that there's there's a certain period during the the forties and 50s, oh not so much forties, uh thirties and then the fifties and sixties. Yeah. Where whenever one of those tours came on, the first game on the tour, the the, the visiting side would be playing against an absolute um minnow of a team. Mm -hmm. So for a long time, when when France came over here, the first team they'd be playing against would be either Western Australia, Northern Territory, or Victoria. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because you're trying to develop football there primarily. Like, that's part of the reason. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But the majority of the reason was have them play against one of these teams and then send a bunch of the you know Australian selectors and stuff like that or coaching staff along to watch the game Mm -hmm. just to watch how they attack. And the first plan was, this is what they're going to do in attack. So we just get a defense to it. Yeah. And it happened the other other way too. Australia would go over to England, like the first games would be against like some invitational side or some hastily cobbled together rep team or something like that, especially Mm -hmm. in France. Happened Mm -hmm. a lot there. It was all about, yeah, keeping an eye on them, that sort of thing. This scouting sort of caper going on. How do we beat this side? Because this is the first chance we're going to get to have a look at them. Mm -hmm. Um, That's pretty amazing. I find that, that fascinating.
1: I always find it interesting when and it still happens these days when there'll be a player I think Anthony Minucello was a really good example of it where um Great Britain just didn't really know much about this fullback, but that he he wasn't Lockier, so he couldn't have been good, you know. He's just this no name dude, you know. That's right. And and players like and there's been a few players like that over the years where they've been like Oh yeah, but he's not like this guy whose name we've known for so long. He must be terrible. Um, and then they they find out pretty quickly, you know. I mean, for a long time they thought Billy Slater was crap until he <laughs> until he started Billy Slatering them. You know. <laughs> oh, imagine thinking that. Yeah, it's weird, and I I always just like. Was, was that around
0: the same time they thought Paul Wellens was the best fullback in the world? Oh,
1: man, I've heard some fucking <laughs> funny shit out of him. But Like, Kieran Cunningham, not only were his Ds really nice and bouncy and full, but uh, big nips on him too, but he was talked about as the best player in the world over there for a long time, right? And then... It, it there's just silly stuff like that. I remember them saying Stuart Fielden was better than Webke. <laughs> and I used to say, like, they're not even in the same fucking planet. And and they oh. never got that. It was re- really silly stuff.
0: Yeah. That does tend to happen an awful lot, though, over there. Yeah.
1: And, and look, I get, I get if you're a, a fan that watches your own club over there, they very much watch their own club more than other clubs over there than we do over here. We're a bit more of a casual fan over here. Um, I get that they're not focused on Australian rugby league. It, it's not their job, right? But when the coaches are the ones that don't realize that this Minicello bloke is going to tear you apart or that this that Darren Lockyer, he's a 5'8 now and it doesn't mean that he's going to be any less of a player, that's to when to me it's like, what the fuck? Are these people doing? Did they not watch football? They're like, you're yeah, the coach. That's your job. That's crazy, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was, I was just looking up some Kyra Cunningham stats. Yeah. Um. The hooker that he played the most games against, so opposite number hooker, was Terry Newton yeah 17 wins and 17 losses
2: mm-hmm.
0: um he dominated a bunch of other hookers there basically because it was all club level so yeah. john clark 14 wins two losses um same record against malcolm alka johnny lawless 12 wins two losses paul rowley 11 and 2 but there's one player on the list he never beat uh
1: Okay, did well, actually,
0: he play? Well, actually, there's a few on there, but the, the oh, yeah. first one who he played the most games against. Seven games against them, lost
1: all seven. Did well, is he is play for Bradford?
0: Um, he he was a Kiwi. He played for the Warriors. was a Kiwi? Oh, was it.
1: Uh, he was he Kiwi played for the Warriors. He
0: never played in England.
1: He never played in England. No. Nope. So, so he, he played him seven times in Test matches, I'm guessing. Yep.
0: I might have played against him also in the uh, World Club Challenge in 97.
1: 97? Yeah. Oh, man, this is testing me out. And he is a, a hooker. Yep. He played for the Warriors.
0: Played for the Warriors. Played um, seven tests for England. Oh, Sorry, seven tests for New Zealand.
1: For, for New Zealand. Yep. Okay. Between
0: 1995 and 1999.
1: 95 and 99.
0: Oh, hang on. That was 7-2. 18 tests.
1: Okay. <laughs> so he's a good player. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm going oh, to And
0: I'll give you a, a clue here. Okay. Possibly the shortest name in rugby league history. Oh, jeez. When you add all the letters from his first name and his surname together, six yeah. letters.
1: Oh, man, I I bet I'm going to kick myself when you tell me this. Who is it? Sid Eru. Sid Eru. Oh, I <laughs> would never have got that. <laughs> man, he played a lot of test matches for New Zealand. Yeah, he started when he was, uh, I think his first test was when he was 19. Man, I'm surprised by that. You also never beat
0: Danny Badaris and Robbie McCormick. That was <laughs> three games each.
1: What's their name? And I, I'm blanking on his name, the Bradford hooker. Um. uh, Man, and he ended up being a coach. Look up the Brad Bradford Bulls hooker during their run. Their their good run. Was that Brad Drew? No, 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 no.
0: Um, Bradford Bulls seasons. I always forget his name. We'll go with two thousand and
2: three. What do you reckon? Yeah, try then. Uh, right.
1: Who was the hooker here? James Lowe's. Yes, Jimmy Lowe's. He he was the best English hooker, um, out of that era by a long way. I think he's the best English hooker I've ever seen. He had he was, 24 games against Cunningham, 10 wins, 14 losses. He was a he was a very good defender. Um. Not super crafty around the ruck, but but crafty enough. And he's a bit of an old school sort of hooker. Um I really liked his play. I thought he was I didn't know why, but they, they really underrated him. Well, I mean they had Kieran Cunningham to fawn over. <laughs> and he was one of those Welsh guys, not born in Wales. <laughs> like Yeston Harris. Not born well, in Wales. Welshish. <laughs> Welsh-ish. Welch adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like a, the Queenslanders are really. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Over over there they are uh, to work out if you're eligible to play for Wales. They just they lock you in a room with a sheep and they, they just count to thirty and if they just wait and they listen and if they hear his has gone, sweetheart then they're like, Yeah, he's he's eligible to play for Wales.
0: Oh dear! Well, look, okay. our Kiwi fans would be lovely, be happy to hear that um, they weren't being tagged in that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Nah, it's for the Kiwi. <laughs> <laughs> for the Kiwi, <laughs> Kiwis, they they close the door, and they wait. They count to five, and if they they hear a knock at the door, and they open it, and they say, "Whoa, put me in with me ex, bro." <laughs> Then you're eligible to play for the Kiwis. Right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, What else has been going on in the Water Rugby League? Uh, I think that that's it. I, I think that we've pretty much covered everything that has happened in on the Rugby League Playing Planet. Um, oh, I know that there's a meeting coming up with the uh, – all of the posers at the International Rugby League and they're gonna pretend that they have a plan for the World Cup that was cancelled. All right. Yeah. Are they gonna are they gonna move it to Victoria? Who fucking knows at this point, hey? Well
0: we've we've we freed up some cash down here by getting rid of the stupid whatever it is games down going on down here. Come off games.
1: The, you know the poser that uh is the chairman of the International Rugby League, he was blaming the Rugby League Players Association for there being no calendar. Rugby yeah. league calendar. Yeah. Can you tell me when that we've had a rugby league calendar?
0: Um, oh, back in the 90s, they had those men of league ones with blokes with no clothes on.
1: That's about as close as we've ever had for an international calendar. <laughs> <laughs> and this fucking idiot's blaming the Rugby League Players Association. He's well, blaming... You won't, you won't free up players to play for all these other countries. They never got freed up anyway. Well, he's blaming industrial action in one country's professional league
0: his argument though is all those players who are eligible for all of these countries in europe are Mm. unable to play because of the the rlpa going on it says yeah because serbia's been really waiting on the traboevich brothers to free themselves up and come back to play for them given they've never done it before
1: exactly
0: exactly they're waiting for tedesco to come back
1: exactly
0: yeah, it's not gonna happen. Stop making up bullshit lies and just pull your finger out and go. You know what? Here's the fucking international schedule. Boom. How a about a bite. it? How That's about simple. it,
1: guys? You know what? I am responsible for failure. I step down. Maybe he's um trying to shore up himself a
0: position at the Tigers. Maybe. We're gonna have more. We're gonna have whoever that bloke is. I don't know his name. Um, we're gonna have
1: Phil Gould over there. Get John Rebo back. Oh, I feel need like
0: to get, he's... <laughs> need to get Sean Wayne in as coach for a while. Sean Wayne. What about <laughs> what about Frank Endicott? Yep. Put him in there. Uh Holbrook can be an assistant coach.
1: <laughs> Who else can we need? We need some more Poms in there to be assistant coaches. Yeah, there <laughs> needs to be some more pommy assistant coaches. What about uh Brian Noble? Oh.
0: He can he can run the water bottle given the Farrah's gonna be running the front office. He'd be good, yeah.
1: Yeah it would be another really good pommy assistant coach to bring in. What about fucking Paul Wellens? I was actually about to say Paul Wellens. He
0: could, yeah. be, the, he could be the bloke who mans the walkie-talkies and relays the message. Yeah, yeah. That no one will understand. That'd be good. No one yeah. can understand.
1: <laughs> That's the worst thing anyone's ever said about someone from another country on this podcast. Andrew, you should be ashamed. I'm going to say something like that. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit.
0: Oh, just some dumb fat prick sitting in a fucking house in Melbourne. As if anyone gives a shit. Um, (laughs) Actually, I did see something here. Mm. The Dragons have reportedly allowed their halfback, Jaden Sullivan, permission to negotiate with rival clubs. And so someone asked, I was going to say, someone asked, who's going to be the new Dragons' halves if Hunt wants to go as well? Yeah, I said seven. Kyle Flanagan. The whole thing's been shaped for that to happen. We've been talking about it for ages.
1: One hundred percent.
0: How's it not going to be
1: Kyle Flanagan? Well, the the Bulldogs played Kyle Flanagan at Hooker against the Panthers last week. Yeah, it went well. Oh my God, the poor bastard was <laughs> stuffed. Yeah, he's never been there before. Yeah, he was like he was physically. You could see how tired he was, and. Like I'm not even mad at him because as you say so he'd never played there before. No, it was just madness to even try it. I don't know what that thing. the other thing that's crazy too is. Um, Hayes Peram has been
0: getting a hell of a long run at fullback, and he's just been so so poor this year. Mm. Um, as a junior, huge raps on him as a junior as the fullback coming through the ranks. He was he looked like he was going to be the um straight up replacement for RTS over at the Warriors. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, just like there 's a bunch of players that do it, you know they get to the top level they can 't just they can 't quite can 't quite get up to the speed there it 's just a bit too much for them yeah but, and that 's where Parram was at. He changed clubs a few times, I think he went to Parramatta and he played a bit on the wing and moved around in positions he's he hasn 't been locked into a position for a while, and I was giving him the benefit of the doubt at the start of the year i I suggested he was going to be playing at as first choice, first choice fullback for the Bulldogs,
2: mm-hmm.
0: when everybody else was saying that that wasn't going to happen, and he did become the first choice fullback there, and he wasn't too bad to start with, but he hasn't got better as the season's gone on. He's gone a bit backwards, and um, yeah, Cerrado's getting a bit sleepy on the uh, <laughs> the selection there. He needs to needs to drop and get Avrillio back in the side.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I wonder how much the the signing of Crichton, who they want as a fullback, how that affected him because it must have. Um, and I mean, we've seen Crichton. Crichton, at at times, you look at him and you think he's got everything that you need to be a good fullback, but he does. It doesn't quite hook up for him as a no, fullback I'm, for whatever reason.
0: I am completely not sold on him as a fullback.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a fantastic incredible, and, and getting better as a center. Yeah. Um, Especially defensively. Like, he's starting to, like, put it on other players. Um, I'll say this. I think um, Burton would make a
0: better fullback before Crichton would, and I don't want to see Burton at fullback either. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I think Burton's got more potential to make a better fist of that gig than, than Crichton would. I just... I've too often I've seen Crichton at fullback, mm. and he looks worse. It's underwhelming. Yeah, and it seems yeah.
1: like it impacts his form when he's at centre.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, it
1: takes him a few weeks to get back into the swing of things,
0: eh? Yeah. I, I don't like it when Penrith put in there. I'd rather they try someone else there. I don't care who. Yeah. But I don't want to see. If, if that's happened for the rest of this year, I don't want to see Crichton at fullback again because he just he's not good
1: at it, in my view. Mm. It just doesn't work with him.
0: Not no, everyone it, can be Latrell Mitchell.
1: <laughs> no, and and look, yeah, I, I can completely understand. He's got all of the tools you'd want for a fullback. You know, he's a tall dude, good ball runner, all of that stuff. But it just it it's not his position. Like that's why we have positions. That's why we've got dudes that are better in some positions than other positions. So, um, I, I wouldn't be convinced if I was the Bulldogs that he was the choice as fullback next year. But for how much they're paying him, they kind of have no choice. Yeah, they've backed
0: themselves into a corner there. Yeah. And, man, they're going to fuck that up big time. They put him there and he struggles. Because, I mean, then what are they going to do? Move him to the center and then what?
1: Then he's a million-dollar-a-year center. Yeah. yeah. And then they've got to find another fullback. Yeah, 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 exactly.
0: That's why I'm not, you know, I'm, during the early 2000s, mm-hmm. players could interchange between positions pretty freely and pretty easily. Cause just because the way the game was then. Um, but now, because defense is so important now, and so he's um, being an absolute master of your position, mm. you find that there are less and less of those players who are generally capable of being NRL quality at more than one position. Like you're yeah. NRL quality at one position, and you're a stopgap option at another one every now and then, but you're not. that's not NRL quality. And only the very rare... Very exceptional athletes, Latrell Mitchell, for example, mm-hmm. are able to to be fucking brilliant at more than one position. Um, so it's not a criticism of a player who can't do it, but we still have coaches and clubs trying to get players to be able to transition into other roles. And I think they some
1: just can't. Yeah, I, look, I think sometimes it's driven by players themselves as well, because I can see where you're as Stephen Crichton. And as a, a center and I'm I'm completely making these numbers up, right? Uh but just say Hang
0: on, hang on. Aren't look. these numbers officially on a uh, on a
1: on a website? <laughs> yeah. They're they're on some fucking telegraph website. They know all the players' salaries, but they don't know them at the same time. It's weird. But just say just say a representative, look, let's take the figure off there. So Crichton's on seventy five million dollars a year. Yeah. <laughs> And he drives a two million dollar car. Um, the say a, a a rep quality center like Crichton in the NRL is worth say eight hundred and fifty thousand at tops because you normally your money is going into your your skill positions in halves and your fullback and your hooker and and that sort of thing. So say a player like him eight hundred and fifty thousand, but he's looking at he's 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 like I've got all the tools to be a fullback. I kind of want to play fullback. I think I'm a better athlete than the current fullback. And I'm not talking about Stem Crichton. I'm just saying a Crichton like player. Mm. Um, and he just pesters the coach. Let, let me have a go at fullback. Come on. You know, I'm a super athlete. And so I think sometimes it's driven by the players. And I think it's difficult when a player isn't that thing, when they're so good. To, I mean, how do you address that with a star player who's obviously agitated in that position that they're in and that they're good at. How do you, how do you massage that situation where you say, I know what you want, but it's, it's, and I know that it's going to make you worthless, but this is what you actually are. You're not this other thing. I don't know how you'd address that. It'd be difficult.
0: I think you, I think there's a large element of that. Mm. Um, I also wonder two of some players who have been um at a club like Penrith and been really successful. Mm. You tend to see them going to weaker clubs and they always pedal out the same line of I wanna, you know, help reshape this club and get them back being successful again. Mm. But I reckon what it is is they're sick of being absolutely punished at training and being forced to be elite every season and they just go, I just need a break. So let's just go to the club where we know they're not being flogged as much because the results show it. Mm-hmm. I'll just go to the Dogs. I'll just go to the Tigers. I'll just go to the Dragons. Just for two or three years, and then I'll come
1: back. Well, I wonder if, you know, obviously money plays a big part of it. And I, I was watching Matt Burton on the weekend. And, you know, he's playing across from his friends, you know, dudes he's grown up with and in the team he was in and won a premiership with. And they just kept rolling along, and he's there at the Bulldogs and second last on the ladder, and and uh, you know he he no doubt would say I'd I'd make the same decision because he's on big money like that's that's his role as a professional sportsman, but there must have been some part of him that looked across that field and thought man like I could have been part of that. Yeah. Now he's the last kid at camp packing all the tents up while everyone else is on the bus. Yeah, it's it's a weird situation. <laughs> but then you look at someone like a, an Appy Coruscant who's gone to the West Tigers, and even as terrible as they are, he's been friggin' sensational this year.
0: Yeah, although I think it's a little bit different with Appy because he wasn't part of that group of players that were all coming through together that Bert was with. Andy is older than them all. So he's, he's thinking more about, I need to be looking at um, getting the best big... Juicy contract, last one that I'm gonna get. Yeah. Um, and to his credit, he's not one of those players that comes to the club and just tarmos it. He turns up to play. <laughs> tarmo's <laughs> Well Tarmo is a classic example like. He it. was. He two that were just rolled through, <laughs> dawdled about on the captain, and then every now and then just has some fucking brace up and does anything, does nothing, captain like at all. Actually, that's something I realised. Apparently, Nico Hines got the shits with the referee the other day.
1: I, I didn't see it. Neither I, I must I. have missed it. But, yeah, apparently he did. Like, I don't know what happened. Do you know what happened? No, missus has been watching it because she's a, a Sharks fan. Yeah.
0: Um, and I heard the video being played on YouTube the other day, and all I heard was the referee yelling at him, Nico, don't walk away from me. Yeah. And Nico was looking pretty pissed off. Um. So I think it was over a a try by the sharks that was disallowed mm-hmm. due to a forward pass or some shit like that. I can't remember what it was. It was probably a little bit controversial, as I said, I haven't seen it. Yeah. But as it turned out, um that could have been the try that, you know, cost them the game. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone's emotions are running a bit high there. So I think that's what it is. Um I'll
1: have to have a look and
0: Check it out. Got thing a thing is... Sorry,
1: yeah. Go no, I, was I was say, say, well... I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. You're in the grand final. Sorry, you're in the grand final. <laughs> Sorry, I know. No. We're in a fantasy land right now. Okay? Oh right,
2: right, right, right.
1: <laughs> and your team, they're good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sorry. Uh, you you fucking lost me. Here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody else. Okay, here's a question. I, for... I can only be creative
0: to a certain degree. <laughs> <laughs> you ask me to be creative on top of being creative. It's
1: it's just too many layers. <laughs>
0: okay, okay.
1: Somebody else's team is in the grand final. right? Okay,
0: I'm working with this, yep.
1: <laughs> Canberra. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You have to face one of two opponents to win the match.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Canberra. Cronulla, who would you least rather play against? Cronulla.
0: I'm the same. I agree. Um Because despite their defensive woes that they have, their fucking attack is killing everyone. I mean, we saw it. They were, they were being pounded by Manly there. Mm. And yet in the second half, they've kept Manly to one try, and they've almost won the game. They've almost, you know, mashed them. 30 points in 40 minutes. Um, Not many clubs are able to have a massive turnaround like that in 40 minutes against generally competitive sides. Um, So that's the thing. I don't feel that with Canberra. Canberra are higher on the ladder. Mm -hmm. Canberra's just one of those teams, I don't know. There's an air of Flanagan... Um, Flanagan coach Shark sides about them where they're just doing a lot of shit in the forwards and just grinding through games remember back in 2016, 17 18 even, the Raiders were just this attacking force mm-hmm. that when they were on they just decimated sides um, They, I don't think they know how to do that anymore but they know how to keep rolling through the middle and get their forwards on a bit of a roll and keep going um, and that's 90% of what's getting them through games. Um, nothing wrong with that. You win and you're winning. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem they're going to get, though, is when they
1: do need to score points, it seems to be a bit more of a challenge for them. See, the the way I look at it, like the Sharks are the most middle-of-the-road team in the NRL in just every way, and I think that that's why you see they, they don't beat top-eight sides because they're just... They're just middle of the road, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, they've never worried me. I think I've said in the last two two season previews, they just don't worry me at all because of that. Whereas the, the Raiders, like I think the Sharks are going to give you an okay game, but I think you're pretty confident of beating them. The Raiders, I think you know, will not win. That's the way I look at both those teams. Like, I, I look at the Raiders and just see a fucking house of cards that is so ready to fall <laughs> on itself. as think, soon as Well, that's the thing. Like, with, with the Sharks, you know
0: that their attack will not stop trying, and you, you know, know it's got points in it. Yeah. So you have to keep your defense on its game. So that's the reason why they struggle against the top eight sides. It's not a lack of ability to score points. It's the fact that the opposition team's defence will not relent, will not let them in as easily. And so they start to get frustrated. And a frustrated side will leak points, and that's their problem. Um, Plus, they don't seem to be as versatile defensively as the, you know, I'd say the top five or six teams anyway. Um, So that's where they struggle. So, you know, you take, for example, Penrith for a good example. If they see a different type of attack coming at them and different shapes coming at them, they can change their defensive structure to immediately shut it down. Mm. Whereas the Sharks struggle with that change. They've got one set defensive type and Mm. that's what they stick with. And if you find a way through it, which is usually just going down their left side, um, you will find a hole out there. Mm. And that's because for whatever reason, they decided to start pairing up um, Wade Graham next to Moylan. I think it was more to try and get Graham to help Moylan defensively, but, Graham's lateral movement is nowhere near where it used to be. Yeah. Um, and that's what's hurting him. So he's able to cover Moylan, but he's not able to cover his own spot as well on the outside shoulder. And that's that's where the holes are coming. So um, they need to put someone other than Wade Graham there. Wade Graham's in a situation at the moment where he's going to start getting absolutely ridden out of town the same way Blake Ashford did. And mm. Ashford got ridden out. And there's people going to... thinking I'm being crazy here. You go back and watch some of the footage of when Ashford was in the defensive line for the Sharks and the whole time he was covering um, Todd Carney Mm. because Carney would just smash out of the fucking line. He'd just belt off somewhere like David Nofaluma. (laughs) Boom, he's off and you go, where the fuck did he go? (laughs) And all of a sudden, Ashford's there trying to defend inside, hold his position on the outside and not make his winger come in and lose position there. Mm -hmm. And no, no player can do all of that. Yeah. And so, so often, because Carney's gone, and the hole is next to Ashford, and Ashford's the last one on screen trying to make a tackle, and he's trying to defend two people at once, he's the one everyone shits on, and he's the one everyone hates. Mm. Um, and that's the thing that always frustrated me about some fans is that they, that was so easy to see, but they're not seeing it. They just they just see that Ace would miss the tackling. It's all fucking his fault. And going, Carney's the one at fault. Where the fuck is he? Yeah. And you're seeing it, well, bits of it now creeping with with Moylan running
1: out of the line. Like, where the fuck is he going? Yeah. Well, it's like it's like uh, when you watch the Raiders and, and it, you know Crocker is so bad defensively. It's hard to it's really hard to miss it. Like even for someone that doesn't watch too much rugby league, you can see what he's doing is is wrong. But it's like watching that and then saying, well, why are the players around him missing so many tackles and look like they don't know what they're doing? And it's like, because they don't know what he's doing and they've got to react to him and then what the attack is doing and they're scrambling themselves. and they're make making flat-footed. Yeah, yeah, and they're, they're making the the best of a horrible situation. Uh, it makes them look really bad.
0: There's another player who's approaching that realm very yes. rapidly. Who? Wonga Blake.
1: I saw people blowing oh, up. Oh, mate! His game on the weekend was dog shit. Really? Oh, bad. And he had half a guy, uh, half an eye on some of the footy this weekend.
0: Yeah, you probably should have shut that half eye when when Wonga Blake was around because man, he was he was shit. Really? Bad, bad game. Um, just not in position in attack. He was mm. he was being toyed with so much in defence. Um, he was bad. Um, but it's but it's okay because Brad Arthur's picked him again this week. <laughs> Who are they playing? Oh, it's only Melbourne.
1: <laughs> Jeez. He's such a weird player because, like, at times, I know when he played for Penrith, there'd be games where you would watch him and he'd be like, this guy's a beast. Like yeah. When, he's, when he was in form for Penrith and it was only a game, the problem was it would be, like, a game in round four and then maybe a game in round 17 and that was it. But when in those games, he looked like Greg Inglis, <laughs> yeah. And that's what you hoped for. You hoped that it, whatever it was that let him produce that, would click in all the time. Um, and it just, it just didn't. And he's once again, he's got all the tools.
0: Yeah, uh, they, they're trying to hide him on the wing now, and it's just being he's been exposed a lot more easily now. Because sometimes you just, I mean, a lot of the times in this on uh, the game last weekend, he was way up out of the line early and infield. And so they just ran towards him. and He was just standing in no-man's land. And they're like, what are you going to do now? You're now flat-footed and not running at anyone.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I actually, You know, I actually get excited watching the Canberra games to see how bad Crocker can be defensively. like, And it excites me. It's like watching a horse at a horse race that you put money on. It's like he's he's behind the attacking line. It's like how bad can a how bad can it be? He's exceeding my expectations. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, that's why I, that's why I like Nofaluma, mate. He's shit, but in all different ways. <laughs> so instead of just seeing the same mistake every time, he's seeing different one every time. <laughs> they're all wrong. Every decision is wrong, and they're all bad. But he makes all of them. Um. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. It's kind of like playing poker and you're trying to figure out whether you know which hand's gonna be bigger than the one you have got. Yeah. Yeah. Except for this one, it's you know, which plays off a got that's gonna be shittier than the other one. What can he possibly do to ruin this? Oh, I wasn't thinking of that. <laughs>
1: it's impressive. Give that bloke another year. It's like you put down a straight and then he says, all my all my cards are red. It's like, that's not a hand. <laughs> Hang on, you've coloured one in with crayon.
0: <laughs> it's
1: like, oh, oh man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. The thing I don't understand, it, like it's an instinct thing and it's really, that's why it's so hard to get it out of a player. But there's got to be a point where you say, we can never get this out of this guy. Yeah. And so let's let him be someone else's problem. Yeah, it comes after about eleven years. <laughs> well, that's the, <laughs> that's the thing. You don't need three hundred and two games to work it out. <laughs> fucking. And then, like when Canberra and I can't even remember who they were playing on the weekend. Oh, I was the the fucking Warriors, mm. and they they're coming back, and two kicks missed. And either one of them would have given them the win in that game. And just a classic choke job, you know. <laughs> just a fucking classic grade A choke job. Uh yeah. And poor poor fucking Rays fans. I see him on my timeline. Like in that the thing that got me was the three hundred and first game. They were all like, he got his three hundred, that's gotta be it.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, we're we're done with this ceremony. We can we can we can move
1: on now. Yeah, yeah. They they had they were out at that point. So, so how how much do you think the Tigers are offering? <laughs> what if you got what if next year Crocker, right? Cause yeah. you need goal kicker, um, and then your edge defence is Matt Morland and Wade Graham, <laughs> and in the halves you have Caesar and fucking what's his name? <laughs> what's the Southwell Halfback's name again? <laughs> Um. Oh yeah. Um.
0: That that fellow. That was that the storm. Yeah, yeah. 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 Who cares what his name
1: is? If you put him in there, was it Blake? No, not Blake. What's his name? Oh man, we were talking about him earlier. He's so irrelevant. Yeah. Anyway, that guy. And, <laughs> and then you fucking. Could we get Tarmo back? Just one for the road. He'd do it. Yeah. He's, he's barely like, done anything this year. He'd do it. He's, yeah, he'd have fresh legs. <laughs> <laughs> just just run right for one more year. I tell you what, you could take Eisenhuth from the Panthers. He's a plotter. I could just see them saying he brings in premiership experience. <laughs> That's what you want.
0: You want that <laughs> premiership experience. Brodie Croft.
1: Brodie Croft. We were talking about him earlier. How did we, we were already. <laughs> Good old Brody Croft. Aiden is the one that kills
0: me, man. Takes, fucking I'd, Caesar. I'll take Caesar over Croft. But Would I, oh, shit, yeah. I think I'd take Croft. No, nah, no. Nah. I'll tell you why. Hmm. Caesar can at least kick goals. That's it. True. That's, That's
1: it. it. The thing that gets me is, like, imagine being Benji Marshall, right? And Tim Sheen says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna groom you, Benji, and I'm gonna give you a good team. They're not gonna be terrible. They're gonna be terrible when I've got them, but mate, I'm setting them up for you. And then he signs. Like your longest signed players are all fucking over thirty, but then he <laughs> wants to leave him with fucking Aiden Caesar going into <laughs> thirty-five.
0: Well, let's have a look at who the um, most kept halfbacks are over in England. Okay. You, t- you tell me which one you think would actually be a legitimately good signing for the Tigers if he's going to sign someone from England. Oh, none of them. Lachlan <laughs> Lamb. No. Nah. Jacob Miller. No. Um, Miller's thirty. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Harry Smith.
1: No. Mark Snide. No. Lewis Dodd. Fuck no. Jake Clifford. Jake, you know what? I would I would take a punt on Jake Clifford actually. Um Josh Drinkwater?
0: No. Mason Leno? No. Caesar? Definitely not. And who's number ten here? Jordan Abdul? No. There's also Theo Farge from Huddersfield. And Tui Lollah here also at Huddersfield. We've already done the Lola here one, so you can't have that one. No. Sam Tompkins at Catalan, he's only thirty four. Mitchell Pierce is thirty four.
1: Sam Tompkins is retiring at the end of the year, unfortunately.
0: Tyro May, he's a sprightly, sprightly twenty seven.
1: Man, it's weird to think he's only
0: twenty seven. <laughs> Luke Gale.
1: Man, he's thirty five. <laughs> Where does the years go? <laughs> well, it's because you get the these English players and like they play they 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 play like Luke Brooks has played his career. Where you wait for them to yeah. take a step forward and they never do. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, he's 35 now. Yes. Let's see. Gareth Whitop. Yeah, he's a oh man. Is he even playing still? He's at
0: Castleford now. Oh
1: man. Johnny Lomax? Fuck no.
0: Lee Gaskell? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh Blake Austin?
1: Mike, Austin's still playing. How old is he, 35? 32. He's only 32. Yeah, mate. Mikey Lewis. Who's that? Mikey Lewis.
0: Nah. Young fella at Hulk AR. Ben Reynolds at Lee. Ben Reynolds? Yeah, 29. George Williams is only 28. Geez, he'd be good. He should try England.
1: Oh, okay. you know what? Oh, man. If he wasn't such a, uh, a, a fucking northern townie, who needs to be near a fucking pub, and you know, have roads that you've got to grit in winter. Um, he'd <laughs> he'd be somebody that fucking Tim Sheen's would want. Hey,
0: well, he's got a pub next to Campbelltown. True, that could work. I he's just th- just I to put the uh, the ice machine
1: just has to go on the field every now and then. <laughs> yeah, they chuck they send a Zamboni out there. <laughs> just make so you I, can feel at home. Because when he went back with fucking Casper, with the, when the both of them went back to fucking their little towns, um, and then Casper's come back now, I just can't imagine he's going to come back too. But if he if he was available, I think that Tim Sheens would sign him for sure.
0: I'm, a, I'm pretty sure every single name I mentioned there, Sheens has already sent a contract offer out too.
1: Fucking <laughs> like Aiden Caesar, man.
0: Yeah. There we go. You watch now from... From now to the end of the year, the Tigers are going to be linked to every single player off the that's on the market, and they'll sign absolutely none of them.
1: But the but the thing is, at least you know they'll start looking at who to sign for next year in about November. Sometime around next year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll
0: know who they're who they're looking at because they'll be the only players not signed in January. <laughs> oh, if there'll be no one pushing his price up now. We'll get him on the cheap. Yeah, Places, says, play says oh, I want 450. He said, well, how about we
1: give you 600? Uh, what if the... the Deal. What if Hodgson, right, doesn't get his medical retirement?
0: Oh, you're killing me now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, shit.
0: Fucking no. Uh, Man, that's bad.
1: The rotten thing is they're going to sign some of these players we're talking about. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Which sucks. They've already been told by the media that these two young blokes from Manly are absolute superstars and they they got the Tigers to sign them. They probably won't play any first grade now. Mm. I don't even know who they are. Yeah.
1: So, you know, they made big inroads. As long as no matter what happens, Scott Fulton needs to keep his job. He's the linchpin of the club. He's been there for four and a half weeks now. Can't can't get rid of him.
0: Well, I'd probably sign him on a 27-year deal. Probably. Yeah, so, you know, lock him in. Yeah, right. Every time that club makes one step forward, they make 345,000 steps backwards.
1: It's work. It, it was just the most surreal shit in the world to be sitting there <laughs> eating a fucking chicken schnitzel with you and looking up over your shoulder and just seeing your club falling apart. <laughs> yeah. It was weird. I, I just do what everybody else would do at that that
0: since uh, situation, and just keep eating. <laughs> <laughs> you so, you know, what what am I gonna do? You're just gonna sit there and have your schnitty. Yeah, that's
1: that about good. it. They were good schnitzels too. ostrich yeah, they
0: were they were amazing.
1: Damn, that was so good. I've I've been thinking about that bloody thing like every day since. So is my boy.
0: Oh. <laughs> He's just eating it off, off his mum's plate.
1: Yeah, it was funny how it, every, it was he was all right, he was all right, he was all right. He was a bit cranky during the day, I could say that. But then he just got to the point and the switch was off and he was like, this night is over. Yep, we're <laughs> fucking done. Yeah, it was so funny.
0: And we, we put him in the car and by the time we backed out of the car park, he was asleep. Oh, that's so cute. Just conks out. <laughs> Boom, done. Um. <laughs> But speak speaking of uh speaking of the little fella's mum. Yeah. Mrs. had her birthday today.
1: Oh really? Yeah. Wow.
0: Uh, happy twenty ninth birthday.
1: Yeah, what did you get her? <clears throat>
0: um <laughs> I, uh, actually I what I did get so far yeah. was, was a treat that, you know, it was one of those things that when we were kids, yeah, it was like the 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 treat that you got maybe once or twice in your entire childhood or mm. when you did something like really amazing. Yeah. Vienetta. Oh damn. Yeah. I've never I've never bought one as an adult. So this is the first time I bought one as an adult. I went, like, we'll, we'll get it this for a birthday, just for something to do. Why yeah. not? Because it's a bit old school, she she kinda likes weird, yeah, you know, funny little things like that, especially when they're random and unexpected. So yeah. I went, like, I'll get that. Yeah. So I said and we don't really have dessert here. Yeah. So I said to her after our dinner, I went, "I have got dessert for you." She goes, "Oh, what'd you get?" And I just held up the box. show. she goes, oh. <laughs> 300 points earned."
1: Excellent. That's yeah. awesome. Are they? Do they still taste as good?
0: Yeah, they're brilliant.
1: Oh, nice. I remember when I was when I was a teenager and I started like with the money I had and I started thinking like, I could buy a kilo of chocolate. You know, and yeah. one of the things I started buying was vionetas. And I, I used to smash them. It was so yeah. good.
0: You know what I was thinking about as I was having a bit of vionetta today is how yeah. when we were kids there was like three different types of toothpaste. Yeah. And now there's five million types. Yeah. Vienetta's just gone, no, nope, this is it. Fuck every yeah. other flavor. This yeah. is all we need. And they're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. There's never been a variation. It's always just been Vanilla ice cream with chocolate. That's it. It's via and netta. That's Na- it. The box hasn't changed. The wrapping hasn't changed. It still comes on the brown tray. Yeah. Nothing's changed. <laughs> They're just gone. We know we've done perfect. Just Can't... copy and paste that shit. Yeah. Do they still have the chocolate ones? <laughs> yeah. That's all. that's that's all there is now. It's just vanilla ice cream with chocolate in the middle.
1: No, but remember they had the they had the ones with the chocolate in the middle and the chocolate ice cream as well? I never saw that. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, they used to have them. Well, you just blown my all-through of the water. I never knew they
0: did that. I thought they only ever had vanilla with chocolate.
1: No, no, they, they, I'm, I'm almost certain. I'm yeah, well, certain mate,
0: maybe this is just a Penrith thing that they did.
1: Yeah, it was a special Penrith We had the first Krispy Kreme in Australia. Yes,
0: that's true, you did.
1: Used to be, I don't know if we still are but we used to be a test market for our uh, KFC and so when they brought in the double that's where they first brought it in and and that like you would you be able to get the double for about 2 or 3 weeks before they started advertising it was available elsewhere and I, <laughs> I remember once I was I was watching what I was eating right And I did the sums and worked out the calories on two doubles versus eating healthy. And it wasn't that big a difference. (laughs) I ate ate fucking, I remember uh, there was one week and I must've eaten fucking, I'm not even joking, like 12 doubles. Jesus
2: Christ.
1: Yeah. Just every day, two, two, two. So good.
0: That doesn't sound like a right idea.
1: No, I'll probably die of a heart attack pretty soon, but, uh, um, I, I would have friends that would message me and say, it's about to start. <laughs> <Because> they <knew. laughs> well, they'd get angry at me because then it, when it was being advertised on TV, they'd be like, you didn't tell me they were selling them already. Like, like you snooze, you lose. That's right. If I told you, come all. Exactly. i got
0: to get through these things. Um, well, it's been a, been a pretty sizable episode. Yeah. Um. Man. Thanks for tuning, in, everyone. Make sure you check us out on the socials. Um. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, MySpace. Still, still X. waiting. We're on
1: What's, X. X. Oh yeah, we're on, we're on X. Yeah. There's no no more Twitter anymore. We're just on X. Do Do yourself a favor. Sit next to your significant other, mm. fucking around on your phone, and then when they say, "Oh, what you up to?" Smiling a lot. Say, oh, "I'm just in See how it goes. <laughs> That's what it is. I'm just
0: sending a video on X.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just checking our videos on X. Yeah. should see you it. A, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, if you get a chance, do a, do a Google search for X videos. <laughs> Nothing bad will happen. Search? It's bookmarked. <laughs> Lock that shit in. <laughs> um, um, yeah, actually, I had a little, little rugby league project update. Mm-hmm. We've got... Four seasons left to go in the um, the New South Wales Rugby League, so the precursor to the NRL. Wow. In 1970, to 1973. That's all that's left to do on there. That's appearances um, for every game. Mm-hmm. Um, so we should have that done by the end of the year with any luck. That's, that's our plan. Good. Yeah. Um, we've also created during the week a ladder predictor. Oh, cool. Then go check that out as well. Um And while you're checking stuff out, you can also get our Patreon and give us some cash on
1: there. That'd be sweet. Yep. But have you, you've got different tiers on yours, don't you? Nope. Oh, you're just a flat rate. Right. Oh, and yours isn't a flat rate. Right. Yours nah. is a
0: however much. You pay whatever you want, and it's largely because I couldn't be bothered going on there and spending time trying to learn how stuff works, so I just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it. Um... Yeah, no, I think that's pretty pretty much all there is. Um please, people. Now that you know that Rugby League Project has a Patreon, we haven't mentioned this for a while. League Freak also has a Patreon. Yes. There you go. So now you know where to go to get that as
1: well. <laughs> Let's go to Patreon, you fucks. <laughs> yeah, come on. we We're to We're sure. do everything for you. Yeah? Yours is uh, uh RL Project. RL Project, that's it. Yes. Mine's League Freak, no spaces there you go,
0: know, check us out, throw, throw a few coins. You don't have to sit there and give us millions unless you want to, but, you know, um, the Rugby League Project one can be as little as just $1 a month.
1: Yeah, I think my one's my one's set up with tiers and at different tiers you get uh, merch after a, a couple of months of being on there. So you just go and check it out. And yeah. I think you get, there's one with a sticker. I think one has a T-shirt, one has a mug. I think one might have a hat as well. But you can also do the the basic one, which is just, man, I just want to chuck something into the kitty. Yeah. And it all goes towards our costs, you know. And that's tears
0: as in T-I-E-R-S, not tears like the things that Piers Morgan has been sprouting because,
1: you know, Australia beat England in the ashes with rules. People are, people are dumb. That guy fucking, that's his fucking business model is to be an arsehole and people feed into his arseholery. He's just an absolute whinging dick. Yeah.
0: It's fucking funny, though. He's fucking sucking.
1: Oh,
0: fucking Australia won. Imagine what they did to Lady go They got him out by stumping, which was legal. Yeah. What's your fucking problem? Grow up, you stupid <laughs> cunt. Man, I've been dropping the C-word a bit more than you
1: have. Yeah, what's going on?
0: Must be the footy.
1: Yeah, I think I'm, you know what it is? I'm bad influence on you. I finally, yeah. you know, we, we have a schnitzel together and I, all of a sudden I'm you know, starting to influence you. Yeah. Next, next year we bring out the history episodes, I'll be, I'll be sitting there going, tell me more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I won't be good with the history episodes there because I'll be like, oh, this guy, I can't remember his name. He's doing this thing. Can't remember what it was. <laughs> let's let's <call>. go <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Let's just call him Brody Croft Yeah We're going to talk about history We'll talk about Aiden Caesar's career <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh boy Yeah It's not going to mean anything unless he goes to the Tigers True, true So come back Yes Alright, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, Actually the other thing, we're also on threads Yes. I don't know what that is But uh, we're on there So check us out there as well, and uh, we'll catch us all next time.